Welcome to another episode of Spliced Killer. I can't. How high can you say it? Spliced Killer. Spliced Together. Oh, wow. Carly <laughs> really just looked around. She's like, ah, Where's my eardrums. Yeah. My little petite moment. Uh, I'm Michelle. They watch movies. They watch television. They watch movies on the television. And I'm Harper. We must, we must, we must increase our cost. And let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> so this is our monthly roundup. <laughs> where we round up with Howard Dean all the movies we watch. <laughs> from the month of April. Is that what this is? Yes. Where are we? What year is and it? And we've got one, two, three, four, five brand new movies to talk about, uh, along with a whole bunch of older quirky oddities. Movies <laughs> are back. Nicole Kidman was correct. <laughs> we come here. <laughs> to watch weird movies about Eric Roberts. Somehow, Eric <laughs> Roberts feels good in a place like this. Yes. Um, so, if you haven't listened to a roundup, we just go through like 20 or so movies this month. 21 movies. Oh, you're getting a bonus. And guess what? I'm done with grad school. It's going to be movies every day, every hour, every second. Yep. <laughs> so, movie, movie, movies. It'll be like the good old roundups where we had like 35 movies oh, an man. episode. Boy, that was crazy. 2020. <laughs> we scaled back. Um, and we talk about what we liked and didn't like. And then for our mini segment, we are going to be discussing streaming movies. Stream. <laughs> we're trying, we keep trying to come up with a, with a name for this segment. Don't go down that stream. I don't know. <laughs> Stream, stream me, stream you. You should stream this. (laughs) Stream it. We'll we'll workshop it. Yeah. So we're going to discuss some of our favorite movies that are currently streaming that everyone should go see. Yeah. Just some recommendations. Random movies that we have maybe or may not have talked about at some point in the last four years, three Mm, years of this podcast. This crazy thing called life. (laughs) Anyway, let's jump into our monthly roundup. Ah! Movie number one. <laughs> ah! Woo! So, first movie on our roundup Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Came out in 2023. It's a new movie. Yay! Directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan M. Goldstein. The John. Or Goldstein. I don't know which one. No experience necessary. That's the tagline. Don't like it. Mm. And that's a no for me. Yeah, that's not a good tagline. <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> uh, so, Dungeons and Dragons about a charming thief and a band of unlikely, ad- unlikely adventurers undertake an epic heist to retrieve a lost relic. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Starring. A man. 
Chris Pine. Mm-hmm. Hey, lady! Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> uh, Reggie Jean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Hugh Grant, and Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's everybody. That's it. Dungeons and Dragons. What'd you think? Uh, I liked it quite a bit. It was it was enjoyable. Uh, yeah, that's what we had heard. I would never have been caught dead seeing this movie after we saw the trailer. The trailers were bad. Yeah, I'd seen the trailer several times and just thought, how did this possibly this make it to theaters? Yeah. Like, this looks so bad. What is Chris Pine doing? And then we kept <laughs> hearing from people that it was really good. And so we were like, all right, I guess we're going to check it out. And it was not bad at all. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was very enjoyable. It's like a fun, I guess, family friendly, but yeah, more, more like preteen friendly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, I was very, very disappointed though that it didn't end with people playing the game and it was like all in their imagination. Yeah. I was really expecting that. Yeah. Because you could still make a sequel with that. They're a little too dedicated <laughs> to the in universe. Yeah. Thing, yeah. But, um, Chris Pine and Reggie Jean Page were amazing in this. Which one's Reggie Jean Page? He is the very serious oh, one yeah, from he Bridgerton. Uh, I thought I've done a total 180 on uh, Justice Smith because I really, I feel like the only thing I've seen him in before, I think, is the, um, the quarry, Pikachu? that game. Oh, oh I forgot he was in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> we both had to. Well, I don't care. I, Pikachu, I, mean, I, don't care about, I don't remember if he was any good. <laughs> I don't remember if he was any good in that, but in that video game, The Quarry, he's terrible. <laughs> he's oh, sort of ridiculous. Quarry. Um, but I actually thought he was really good in this. I thought he was really funny. He was okay. But I it's like hard it. to compete with the other people. Yeah. Um, but I thought like most of the jokes worked pretty well, uh, which is a lot more than I can say for most like licensed property adventure movies. So it's not like Jumanji or, (laughs) uh, Jungle Cruise or whatever. Yeah. So according to our friend Spencer's review, there's a a joke he almost pissed his pants in at, and I think we almost did too. I think we all know the one it is. We all did it. Yeah. It's it's very, it is really, really funny. Yeah. We were dying laughing. Also, everyone keeps saying Harper over and over again in this movie, which made it even more hilarious. Which I guess is a real Dungeons and Dragons thing. It's like the guild of the Harpers. Yeah. They like uphold order and <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, wow it's, not there's like a lot there's so time. many lines where they were like uh the, there's a sleeping harper awakening in yeah. you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just like kept laughing every time it was very weird to hear yeah um but i also thought the movie was just well made like the it's not all practical effects like there's a lot of CGI, there's a lot of good practical effects. Lot of good practical effects and i thought there's a lot of really genuinely clever um you know sequences like they use this they use this staff that basically is like a like a portal like it creates portals and they use it in some really clever ways that i thought was really cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i would totally see this again i like i don't know about in theaters but I, um i think if it came to streaming it'd be a fun little watch yeah like i really enjoyed it and i, I hope there's they no pressure continue to fun. make an, another one because <laughs> i i do i think the the criticism that some of our friends had was that it was a little too like marvel Mm-hmm. And like it is funny looking at the poster, it looks just like the Justice League poster. A little bit. Um but uh and I get that. There are parts of the movie that feel a little superhero-y, but um but for the most part, to me it feels very like feels very much like an RPG 
like a role playing game, like you know, you're going on different quests and things and building. RB what? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I don't think it'll be for everybody because it is. You gotta like at least fantasy movies. You don't need to bit. know anything about the game though. Nope. Not Even though thing. they market it like you need to, to know, you need to know what <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is. There's dungeons and there's dragons. There's a big chunky dragon in this. That there was is. cute. There is. Big old boy. <laughs> so we like Dungeons and Dragons. Go figure. Yeah. <laughs> I gave it three and a half. Four for me. Whoa. <laughs> Good Boy. job. Michelle, I'm just going to disclose this. <laughs> Michelle ate some peeps before we started recording. She is. The sugar is in my bloodstream. She's losing it. A little thing about me is that I love sugar. I love sugary drinks. I love candy. It's true. I love marshmallows with sugar frosting. What do you think about zero sugar sodas? Blah! <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Never. <laughs> All right. Well, the next movie I went and saw by myself. <sighs> Spliced apart. <laughs> hey, you were supposed to come in. You bailed because some of, of us work. have to get a master's degree and support our family. And it's not really. <laughs> it's just a free degree. Some of us just make <laughs> squishy noises for a living. Yeah, you can make squishy noises and make three times as much as I'll ever make. Because I'm a man. <laughs> He's a man. My man. <laughs> All right, this is so off the rails. Um, Just roll with it. <laughs> so I went to a preview screening of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, which is not just two sentences. It's also the name of a movie. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. There's a lot of punctuation in this <laughs> movie title, more than most. Um, so this is an adaptation of the Judy Bloom book from 1971. I have I no say. idea. I never read it. I looked it Does up. Does that make me less of a woman? No, I've never read it either. Um <laughs> And that does make me less of a woman. <laughs> um, so this is a brand new movie that hasn't come out yet. Um, it's directed by Kelly Freeman Craig, who did Edge of 17, which we really liked. Hey, lady! Um, and I also thought it was kind of cool. It's produced, just like that movie, it's produced by some old school Simpsons people. Um, like I think we like the Simpsons. Like James L. Brooks and Richard Sakai. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I peep dust in my throat. <laughs> oh Discovering who you are is a journey that lasts a lifetime. You said it, Judy Bloom. That's a that's a little corny. <laughs> um, when her family moves from the city to the suburbs, eleven year old Margaret navigates new friends, feelings, and the beginning of adolescence. We've um, all been there. Ain't that the truth? Starring Abby Ryder Fortson, uh, Rachel McAdams, Kathy Bates, and Benny Safdie. That's weird. He's really good in this. Although he was serious in that one movie we watched, the he was like a politician. Oh yeah. Oh, licorice pizza. Right. It's like it's so what? funny. I feel like, <laughs> and this could be wrong, but I feel like the first thing I saw him in was Good Time. Yeah. And I think that was his first thing. I was. I don't know if it was or not, but I was a hundred percent positive that he was the director's like mentally. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use here? <laughs> He was differently able <laughs> differently than uh, able. than his brother because he does such a good Harper, job in that role. What it's called acting. <laughs> yeah. We need our little. Well, Patrick I know, Stewart. but it was very convincing, and I'd never <laughs> seen it before in anything, so I just kind of assumed. But yeah, yeah apparently it was 
Um, anyways, uh, I liked this quite a bit. I liked the decision. I liked, I'm glad they didn't like try and modernize it. It still takes place in the 70s, uh, which I like the 70s aesthetic. Um, and I just like that uh, Kelly Freeman Craig is continuing to tell these like female coming of age stories. Um, Do they talk about menstruation? Quite a bit. The whole movie. Re- God. The whole movie basically <laughs> revolves around this group of girls um, <laughs> arguing or not arguing, but like almost competing for when they have to wear a bra and when they get their periods for the first time. I can't relate to that because I still wish I'd ever had menstruation. <laughs> My menstruation well, that's kind of an <laughs> ongoing joke in the movie is that like the mom, the moms are always like, you don't want to be in any rush. I don't <laughs> for, want no like, bras. Like, no yeah, once you ovaries. have to wear a bra, then you're stuck with it. Like, yeah. Forever. Um, we need that on our board too. Nah. I could only use it this one time. Yeah. Forever. Um, but I thought this was, it's not, I didn't like it quite as much as Edge of 17 because I think that movie's really, really great. Um, but I did like this a good bit and I really appreciated that. It had our whole audience, which was not, it was pretty like, you know, well mixed audience. Um, had the whole audience cracking up about menstruation and training bra jokes. Menstruation. So, uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, I enjoyed this quite a bit, and I'm looking forward to when it gets a broad release so other people can talk about it. Because right now I bring it up and everybody's like, huh? 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 Say what? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think you would like this a lot. I do love talking about menstruation. You sure do. Menstruation. <laughs> menstruation? It's not, it's not a not question. A question. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you rate it? I gave it four stars. Whoa. Harper loves menstruation. Mm, I guess so. But it's time to get serious. So we're going with my pick next. And that is Seconds, which came out in 1966, directed by John. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Harley's announcing herself in the distance. Uh, directed by John Frankenheimer. Hemer? <laughs> okay, this is a long tagline. Oh my God. Who are seconds? The answer is almost too terrifying for words. From the bold, bizarre, bestseller, the story of a man who buys for himself a totally new life. A man who lives the age-old dream. If only I could live my life all over again. Weird, weird, weird. That's funny because they don't call them seconds. I don't think they ever use that word in the movie. They use, what's the word they use in the movie? Like resets or like re... Maybe recycle. Rebirths. Rebirth. That's what they call them, rebirths. Little rebirths. Yeah. So Seconds is about a secret organization who offers wealthy people a second chance at life. The customer picks out someone they want to be and the organization surgically alters the customer to look like the intended person, stages the customer's death, gets rid of the intended person, and the customer takes on a new life. Starring Rock Hudson, Salome Jens, John Randolph, Will Gear, and... We're... Oh, that's probably everybody. <laughs> I, I I didn't know Salome Salome Salami Salami, Salami Jens is the <laughs> lady lady <Yeah>. actress. <laughs> um, so seconds was really really cool. You are underselling it. It was amazing. <laughs> is that better? Yes. What do you think, Harper? Oh, I thought this is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Um. I mean, like literally from the beginning to the end, I thought I was like super engaged and really loved it. Like there's these amazing 
uh, Funhouse Mirror credits at the beginning, designed by Saul Bass. And then I don't want to spoil it, but like the ending is ultra bleak, which you all know is my thing. We love the bleak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it takes like this kind of Twilight Zone sort of concept and then pushes it into this like brutally, painfully familiar and poignant like. Uh, thought about the American green American dream that like the grass is always greener on the other side. Like even yeah. if you get everything you think you want, like you still are really kind of not really doing it. Not, and not, not only that, but there's also like you always owe somebody. Yeah. And like the, um, you know, the shadowy corporation turns out to be more evil than they seem. Aren't they always? <laughs> so yeah, I thought it was super interesting and it was a great little sci-fi film. It was like, just sci-fi enough that it was like, this could totally happen. It wasn't like over the top. Mm -hmm. It was like very believable. The only thing I didn't, it's very like male perspective. Like no ladies get rebirthed. They either just work for the corporation or they're like the housewives who get left behind because they'd be better off. Like just left behind, which they are in this movie. They're, they're totally fine (laughs) being widows. Well, I was going to say that's actually (laughs) probably my favorite scene in the whole movie is when, so Tony, who's like the rebirthed person, um, he goes back and has a conversation with his former wife and she doesn't know who he is. Yeah. And she does and she thinks he's dead. Um, and hearing her talk about her husband and how she's like, I just never really understood what was going through his head. And like, he never talked to me. Yeah. It was just like, uh, man, it's just super heartbreaking. It's, yeah. It's very it, depressing. It feels very like real. It was really interesting. Especially when they keep saying like, we, we got along. <laughs> like that's yeah. all they had. Yeah. We got along. And she's like, redoing his study throwing out his crap he's like i'm happy now (laughs) which is sad but uh, we didn't grow up in the 60s american dreamland so Um, we're in this bleak universe (laughs) i was trying to think of uh, when we were watching this i felt like like man this has got this had to have been like a major influence on so many movies like uh, yeah i could see that brazil feels like it owes a lot to this and um i would say us maybe Felt like it has some some common DNA. <laughs> the movie Us. Us? Jordan Peele's Us. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I guess the casting choice was pretty spot on for the mm. thematic choices of the story. Because Rock Hudson was secretly closeted. And then mm. there's a lot about like wanting to live a certain life and doing certain things. That it's like, oh, that really resonates with who they picked. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing that it it adds kind of a meta layer to it for sure. Um, what else? This was a great movie. We don't want to spoil too much. Yeah. I'd love to talk about the ending, but yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. But it's great. It's on canopy. Thank you. Libraries. (laughs) Also, wasn't it on criterion? Not on criterion channel. I don't think, but it's, uh, it is a criterion release. Yeah. So we'll probably have to buy this one. Well, yeah, this has been on my wish list of theirs forever, but I didn't really know that much about it. I just thought it sounded interesting and yeah. I'm so I'm glad you finally picked it and we watched it because I think this might be a perfect movie for me. (gasps) We need a button for that. We would almost never use it. Although, <laughs> hey, spoiler, I'm going to use that twice in this episode. Whoa. You believe it. I ain't got nothing for that. You believe it. <laughs> oh, wait, I got one. It's a murder! 
<laughs> Still in the madhouse. <laughs> oh boy. What's happening? <laughs> I gave it four stars. I really do like wow. it a lot. But yeah, you went you went for it, Harper. I'm surprised. Maybe because there is very little lady representation. Yeah, that's fair all. enough. That's fair all. enough. <laughs> so seconds. Definitely watch it. If you like sci-fi movies from the 60s. <laughs> so you can tell we had a night where Michelle picked a movie that ended up being a stone cold classic. <laughs> and then I picked a movie that turned out to be kind of a pile of dookie. Uh-uh. That is one big pile. Of- S-H-I-T. I wouldn't go quite that far, but it's not great. I mean, you definitely did. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about it. So that movie is A Wounded Fawn from 2022. A Wounded what now? This came out right at the end of 2022. So it's pretty new. Um, directed by Travis Stevens. Uh, No tagline, but a local museum curator who is dipping her toe back into the dating pool is targeted by a charming serial killer. When a fateful romantic getaway between the two becomes a tense game of cat and mouse, both must confront the madness within him. Uh, Starring Josh Rubin, Sarah Lind, Malin Malinbar, and Katie Kwong. Hmm. I didn't recognize any of them. Yeah, Josh Rubin I've seen in... He's uh, oh yeah I forgot he's apparently in Greener Grass that we didn't really remember but he's in a lot of these like indie horror movies like uh, Blood Relatives and Scare Me and he was an Obvious Child oh. don't remember yeah <laughs> um so how to talk about this movie I didn't like it yeah I wasn't very <laughs> crazy about it either it's S- you go first I well okay so I've seen all three of. Travis Stevens movies at this point because he's basically put out like a movie every year or two over the last couple of years and so I, I, I've seen um, I've seen two uh, Girl Who Lived on the Third Floor is that what it's called? Yes, the third floor not the fourth floor. Yeah, Girl Who Lived on the Third Floor <laughs> um, uh, what's Jacob's part? Wife. Yes, Jacob's Wife and A Wounded Fawn and all of them there's like up to a certain point in the movie like the first like half hour or 45 minutes or something, I'm like, okay, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> and then it goes like horribly awry and takes turns that I'm just like, this is kind of dumb. Yeah. Happens every time with his movies, which is really frustrating because I <sighs> always feel like he's so close to doing something really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Because to me, this starts out like kind of a riff on the same idea as Fresh. Yeah. For sure. Like it's kind of similar. Um, but then at a certain point, I guess I don't want to spoil it too much, but like, there's a big twist in who we're following and we start to follow the killer himself and not the the woman. Um, and then it just gets like really kind of boring and pretentious, pretentious art student. And like, there's movie. kind of a twist at the end where it's supposed to be like, Oh, that was all just BS. And like, this guy's insane. Uh, all the stuff he was seeing was just insane. But, like, by that point, we've watched, like, 40 minutes of this, like, pretentious stuff. And it's like, okay, you can't just say, like, ha-ha, all that stuff that was bad is not so bad. Like, it was still really boring (laughs) and ridiculous. Yeah, I agree with all of it. Uh, I had an issue from the beginning because he's trying so hard with the style of the movie, adding, like, film grain and Mm -hmm. dust. And it's like, but they, like, have iPhones. But it's all, like, 70s decor. And it's like, well, pick one. Like, you can't have both. Like, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And this time it didn't work for me. Um, Also, I agree with what you said, that we end up following the killer instead of the, like, leading lady who was way more interesting and yeah. has like a backstory we could be like 
I don't know, getting a better character art than whatever the killer's going to give us. Yeah. And then it just goes on and on. The last third of the film is not fun to watch. Yeah. And not, not like in a, like, Oh, it's brutal. It's not not fun because it's boring. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, it's frustrating because again, and even if he had like reworked the structure so that like the twist that we get in the end happened earlier so that we're like, okay, now I see what's happening. And this pretentious stuff is intentionally pretentious. Yeah. Then it's like, then it might've worked a little better, but the way it is, it's just like, ugh. by the time we get to that, like reveal, it's not, it wasn't not even really that clever. Of a it's reveal. just like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, I did not like it. Yeah. I didn't either really. I originally gave it two and a half stars, but I'm going to bump it down Damn. to two. You are brutal Because today. there's some other movies I gave two and a half this month, and this is worse than those. So Fair enough. Goodbye, Wounded Fun. I gave it three stars. Ah, Harper! I promise. <laughs> I had to clutch my pearls. You really did. I saw it. <laughs> it's streaming on Shudder. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, I can't really recommend it either. <laughs> All right. Next up, it's another new movie. Boy, you guys, the lengths we went to see this movie. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's we Renfield, which came out this year, directed by Chris McKay. We went to our Stink Mall Theater to see it because we wanted to see it cheap and dirty. Yep, $7.50 and, uh, yeah. a piece. That's what we wanted and to And then play. their projector broke because they're cheap and dirty. And we had to rush across town to the other... I had to, to, stand in line to get a theater. refund and then yeah. rush. Then we had to rush to the other Highway run theater. in just as the movie was starting, which I hate. And paid like quadruple the price. Yeah, literally. And it was not worth it. It was $35 <laughs> for the two of us instead of $15. I would have enjoyed it more for $15. I agree. I will say that. We would have gotten a higher <laughs> rating if <laughs> Yes, we it would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so Renfield, sucks to be him. <laughs> it's yeah. about vampires. I get it. I get it. Having grown sick and tired of his centuries as Dracula's lackey, Renfield finds a new lease on life and maybe even redemption Something when like he redemption. falls for feisty, perennial, angry traffic cop Rebecca Quincy, starring... Does he fall for her, though? No. According to the writers, they cannot decide. So, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I'm get to that. Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Cage, Aquafina, Ben Schwartz, Adrian Martinez. I'm going to stop there, maybe. You're going to stop there? Who else? Well, my good pal Jenna Cannell was in it. Oh, she's the, like the next person the on the list. <laughs> sixth person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Harper knows people in this movie. Yeah, I've worked with her a bunch. And uh, not listed here, but um, Keith. Uh, crap, I don't know his last name. Uh, I'm looking. Oh, man. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> uh, give me two seconds. Uh, All right. Oh let me God. talk about Renfield uh, while you look for Keith. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, so I thought Renfield, it started off very strong and I liked it because it had some great practical effects. It was doing this great setup with like the early 19... 19- Keith Brooks. You go, Keith. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the setup was great. Um, it did like this old universal horror thing with like 1940s, f- 40s, 1940s, foot- footies, footies, footage. 1940s, 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 
uh, lots of cool makeup effects yes. where like Nicolas Cage is all like he gets burnt alive from yes. the sun and then he's like slowly healing over the movie and it's gross and gory and I love it. But then everything just goes to hell. Yeah, it kind of falls apart, don't it? Yeah. So, like we mentioned earlier, there's this very confusing plot line where the writers couldn't decide if Nicholas Holt's character and Aquafina should be romantically involved or yeah, it's friend like, friendly. First, first, he's like inspired by her because she like does selfless things. She's a as hero. A yeah, she's basically a hero, <laughs> and he's like, I want to be like that. And so you think it's just like a moral thing, and they like play with the idea that like, okay, maybe it's like a romantic thing a little yeah. bit. But they just like never go one way or the other no. with it. Like you're so it's constantly just, awkward. just kind of on the edge. Yeah, it is. It's really it is weird. Because like, like, why is he doing all this? I generally like... would have been fine either way. Like it doesn't bother me whether mm -hmm. they had decided to make it like a romantic thing or not. But they, it, you can tell they just didn't want to commit either yeah. way. And yeah, it's just weird. So yeah, it's super awkward. And then I honestly didn't really like Aquafina's character at all. Like yeah, the whole okay. backstory is just very one dimensional and she's like really funny in other movies and she's not funny in this like she's, they didn't know how to use her there's a couple of good like physical humor things that she does i think yeah. but yeah it's funny i feel like i don't think i've seen i, I like i love her in the farewell like i think that movie's like yeah. incredibly good and she's really really good in that movie and i don't feel like i've seen anything else since then that she was any good in and it's not really her fault it's mostly she's, the material i've seen her in crazy rich asians and oceans eight where i guess yeah, she's kind of over the top in that so yeah. maybe i'm expecting like that i guess the only thing I, really it's just this and um she's in shang chi right yeah yeah i don't remember her yeah exactly <laughs> so i was like i don't really remember her being particularly good or interesting in that either but yeah, yeah i mean the other thing with this the two things for me that bug this bug me about the movie even more than the romance thing is that really just like a lot of the jokes just weren't very clever. No. Like uh, most of the funniest things were in the trailer. Um, yeah, like the whole group therapy thing, that was funny, but you see it all in the trailer. A lot of it, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I, like you alluded to, they do some really cool practical effects, particularly in the, closer to the beginning of the movie. Yeah. But it kind of, they do all like all the blood in this movie is CGI and it just so far outweighs all the, all the positive <laughs> at, uh, yeah. feelings I get it's from like why would you just use real makeup? blood I don't get it yeah yeah. clearly they wanted to do like a dead alive style like or like evil dead style yeah. like tons and tons of blood which is great I love that but like it's so fake it's like it's so splashy and shiny and then it never gets on anything no. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it's just like okay um, so that that really bugged me after a while like I'm I'm always fine with like CGI as like an aug augmentation mm -hmm. to practical but when you like rely on the cgi completely to get your point across just, it just get a higher work. blood guy like come on and i mean i get i get it like it would take forever to clean that stuff up to do Who another cares? take blah, blah, blah. but like yeah if you want to make it good give me a vampire movie and i'll spill on some blood b-i-t-c-h i agree that's that's what that's what bugged me about it also they kind of just redo the same like fight scenes over and over again i do agree with that it does feel a little repetitive it's like, oh no they're just gonna have another well, fight gotta scene. eat another bug also it's kind of like a, a tourist ad for new orleans yeah even though <laughs> a little too on the note even though i'm 95 percent sure they <laughs> like, shot most of it we're gonna go to cafe du monde and we'll have a whole scene in moulots and here's that church everyone walks by <laughs> yeah it is true they really kind of milk that for everything 
I will say Nicolas Cage is fine. He's doing his own little thing. Yeah, I think thing. he was pretty good in it. He wasn't as over the top as he could have been. He did have a weird voice, though. The whole time I thought he sounded like Donald Trump. I cannot unhear it whenever I... Like, it sounds like it he's says, doing an impression. It says filming locations New Orleans, Louisiana. But it's weird to me because there are s- several Atlanta-based actors in it, yeah. which makes me wonder if they shot some of this, a lot of the studio stuff here. Probably. <laughs> anyway, I ended up giving it three stars. Me too. It might be worth watching when it's streaming for free. Yeah, I mean, it's At fine. least the beginning. It's fine. Like, and it might be f- more fun to watch like around Halloween, maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't work. It's a really cool idea, a funny idea. But yeah, it just doesn't all come together that nope. well. Nope. Sadly. So maybe see it. Maybe don't. <laughs> you decide. It's your choose your own adventure game. <laughs> all right. Next up. It's a movie. Dear to my heart. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> that is the Coca-Cola Kid, a.k.a. me. I'm the Coca-Cola Kid. You sure are. <laughs> I love Coca-Cola. And never Pepsi. It is never okay. <laughs> Pepsi is never okay. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> so Coca-Cola Kid came out in 1985, directed by Dusan Makovic. <laughs> <laughs> no, waiting for that. <laughs> Makavahev. I'm, I'm not sure how to say it. <laughs> My mistake. I'm gonna keep saying that till we get our little button. <laughs> yeah, one day soon. A movie felt never so refreshing. That's a bad tagline. <laughs> uh this is way too long of a synopsis. So this is about a Coca-Cola executive who goes to Australia to try and sell more Cokes in a small town run by an old man who makes his own soft drinks. And on the way, he learns a little thing about himself and some others. Maybe. And and about kangaroos. And about creepy Australian ladies who stalk him until he gives up his purity. Boy. <laughs> his flower. <laughs> <laughs> you got the wheezy laugh from me. That's my Talking about Eric Roberts giving up his flower. <laughs> For this creepy lady. Um, so yeah, it stars. My man. Your man, Eric, Eric Roberts. Eric, stalked <laughs> by my doctor, Roberts. Yeah. And Greta Scacchi and Bill Kerr. That's probably everybody. And a bunch of people in an Australian band who sings a song that you'll probably hear at some point oh, in this episode. <laughs> yes, you will. Don't want to go where there's no Coca-Cola. We timed that out good. Yeah, we should start a band. <laughs> An Australian band. Splice together band. <laughs> so, Harper, mm-hmm. tell me about the Cokes. What'd you think? What'd you like? What'd was, you not like? Was, was it busy enough for you? <laughs> Dark, Dark and, and bubbly. bubbly. <laughs> Dark and bubbly. Uh, that's what he says. He says so. <laughs> okay. I'll just laugh in the background and keep going. Boy. <laughs> No more peeps for you. It's um, going to wear off in like one movie. Yeah, and then you're going to be like, <laughs> um, I was kind of disappointed by this, to be honest, because this was this is when I bought, um, <coughs> sorry, this is when I bought, uh, it's a Fun City Blu-ray. So I bought it from them um, um, at a sale a while back. And um, yeah, it just sounded fun and interesting and weird and quirky. And it is all those things, I guess, mm-hmm, <laughs> except mm-hmm. for the fun part, maybe. It's definitely weird and quirky. <laughs> um 
like the thing with this movie is that it feels like it's like a whole bunch of almost idea, good ideas that this, it just always kind of fumbles away from. Like, yeah. like it could be a really interesting metaphor for like American intervention in Vietnam. Cause he keeps saying about how he used to be Marine and yeah. like, you know, um, but that kind of falls away. And then is it like, American capitalism, like failing in the face of a superior mom and pop product, like outside of the U.S., like kind of that that sort of falls off to, or is it like just a romantic comedy with two charming leads? Yes, but they're neither of them are very charming. Like he's kind of an asshole, and she's like this really weird stalker who's like obsessed with him for she some reason. She crosses the line so many times; it's not funny. It does feature <laughs> the most erotic scene featuring a woman in a Santa outfit you'll ever see. It's I weird. Guess. <laughs> um, but I will say this movie gets an extra point for having the most insane non sequitur. Uh, title card at the end of the movie i've ever seen <laughs> i'm so confused by it is it worth spoiling that yes okay no one's gonna so watch at this. the end of this movie i won't say what happens at the end i guess but nothing particularly crazy happens nope but then uh the camera like pans away and then it says like one week later <laughs> the next world war had begun <laughs> This is like 1985. Like, what? like what? what are you talking about? World War. And it's like unclear whether they mean like soda, like cola soda war, like corporate war? wars, or if they actually mean like an actual war. Salmon it's wars? really weird. Like, it's totally war? bizarre. You know damn well which war. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it just kind of misses the mark on every every possible level that it seems yeah. to be trying to hit. So I don't know. It's, it's frustrating because it, I wanted to love this and I didn't. It is a chaotic mess. Yeah. And like you said, there's like three different storylines going and all of the writers are trying to put their own spin on something. So nothing, nothing comes, comes to fru- fruition. <laughs> Fruition. <laughs> um, so I was pretty disappointed. <laughs> Making up words. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was disappointing. I yeah. am very surprised. There's a very long intro about how Coke has nothing to do with this movie, but obviously they had something to do with it because it's all official Coke licensing and products and logos in their headquarters. And it's like they had something to do with this. But honestly, I was thinking about that. I wonder if that's why the movie is so all over the place is that it probably was intended to be more of like a biting satire. And then because I think this guy's previous movies are a lot more like mm-hmm. kind of experimental or whatever. And, um, it's uh and that probably they were like uh can we get away with that let's hold off let's be a little more careful because they don't want to piss off coke and get sued yeah (laughs) um so yeah i don't know but yeah it's not great so yeah i did not really like it i thought it started off pretty interesting i liked all the stuff that's in the coke headquarters and most of the stuff that happens in the town the opening That's scene okay. is amazing. Do you remember? Yeah. He's, he's la- the plane is landing in Australia and there's an announcement over the PA in the plane that like we have to like <laughs> disinfect. disinfect so you don't bring anything into our country. And it's just like the the steward is just like spraying like <laughs> Everything. aerosol on everybody. And, and yeah, it's like super, everybody's sneezing. And I'm stuff. really surprised I didn't get uh, passed around when the pandemic was going on, especially yeah. about flying. It's yeah, like, that is really that's funny. That's exactly what they would have done. That's probably the best scene yeah. in the movie, honestly, is literally like the opening 30 seconds. <laughs> also, who do we decide Eric Roberts sounds like? Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he sounds like Matthew McConaughey in this movie. It was yeah. a little distracting. Anyway... 
There's a creepy stalker lady in this. Don't watch it. <laughs> I give it two and a half stars. Three for me. It's on Tubi. Good old Tubi. Or tubsters. you can be like me and spend like 20 bucks on it. <laughs> I mean, the DVD case is DVD. pretty. It is. It sure Blu-ray. Is. On the Blu-ray. We'll be calling them tapes forever. <laughs> the DVDs. The DVD. So, Coca-Cola Kid. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're going to talk about a new movie <laughs> that we kind of talked about on our climate episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> did you have a peep? <laughs> and that is How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which came out this year, slash last year Film Fest, directed by Daniel Goldhopper. Goldhopper. Golden Haber. We saw it. We met the man, essentially. He didn't say his name. Yes, they did. How do you pronounce your name? How to blow up a pipeline, sir. The tagline, this is an act of self-defense. Yes. Uh, synopsis, very simple. A crew of young environmental activists execute a daring mission to sabotage an oil pipeline. Starring Ariella Barr, Forrest Goodluck, Shasha. Sasha Lane, Lucas Gage, Jack Weary, Jake, Jake Weary, <laughs> Christine Frosseth, my mistake, Jamie Lawson, and a bunch of other people who want to save the earth. <laughs> so, how to blow up a pipeline? Oh, oh man. Oh, man. So, yeah, we saw this special screening at the plaza. The director was there, a panel of uh, activists related to Stop Cop City was there. Um, so we got the full experience to see this. Uh, this movie is fan freaking tastic. Harper loved it. I did. <laughs> Remember when I said there was another movie I thought was perfect on the list? <laughs> How many bias? Five <laughs> bias. Oh, <laughs> one more. Uh, two more. Oh one more. <laughs> I think that was four bias. I think I did five. Okay. Okay. We'll let the record show. Me, mom will text us and be like, "It was, it was four. It was five. Michelle's <laughs> always right." Yeah, that's probably what we'll get. Um, or she'd be like, four and a half. And we'll be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this comes out like five weeks from now. <laughs> um, so uh, this movie's fantastic. I mean, we talked about like the themes and stuff a little bit in our Earth Day episode, but um, yeah, just like the actual making of the movie, it's incredibly well ed- edited. Um, the narrative structure is really, really cool. So they do this thing where like, um, without like giving stuff away where you're kind of going through the process of them, like doing this sabotage where they're going to blow up this oil pipeline. And, um, just as like something crazy is about to happen, like, Oh, the explosive is dropping and is it going to explode? They (gasps) cut away and cut to a flashback. They do that like four times. So that's the way you, you get introduced to the characters. It's not all front loaded in the movie. You get introduced to them and their backgrounds and why they're involved and what their motivation is, um, like spread out through the movie, which really works because it adds to the tension of knowing like, okay, there's like 
I don't want to give it away, but like there's maybe one person on the team who's not who they say they are, maybe or maybe not. Yeah. And um, you get like a great backstory for each person because mm-hmm. it, it's like it's kind of like a Ocean's Eleven, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's very like heisty. Um, yeah, so it's definitely a heist style they movie. Cut everything, like the most tense moments. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, hey, this is why this person's doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Let's check in with them. <laughs> as we were watching it, that was the one thing that I was like, I don't know if I like this, is that like every character had these like really on the nose motivations. It was like, okay, one person like grew up near a uh, uh, oil refinery and now has cancer probably caused by that. And somebody's mom was killed in a heat wave caused by climate change. And another person, um, is indigenous is an indigenous person and uh you know white folks have kind of bought up all their land and are taking away their jobs and stuff and um trying to think of what some of the other ones are but uh eminent domain oh right government's trying to take their farmland to Mm -hmm. build the pipeline on it yeah so when we're watching i was like okay some of these are like a little like like it almost felt there's like a family guy joke where they're like cigarettes killed my father and raped my mother. <laughs> and it's like almost expecting that in a minute, like, yeah. like an oil executive, like, you know, <laughs> but, um, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, yeah, but these, that's the only kind of person that would like get involved with this, like yeah. potential suicide mission or like, you know, really, really dangerous thing. Um, so it, it, you know, that didn't end up bothering me, but it, uh, it's definitely interesting. Um, and it makes sense that all these people have a personal reason, not just like a political reason, because we all have political reasons to do something like this. Yeah. A lot of us do. But the one part, there was one character I liked a lot who was like not on board with the plan, kind of just going along to take care of their friend mm-hmm. and offered like kind of like what the audience might think or like certain generations sure. would think. And she was just like, well, why do you have the right to blow up this pipeline? It's only going to hurt poor people. Like you like can't make all these like hasty decisions and think it's going to solve everything, stuff like that. So she's more like the voice of reason. I liked her character a lot. Oh yeah. I like that. They're all not on exactly the same page. They just all agree that they've got to do something essentially. And this is the best thing they can think to do. Um, And I like, it's really interesting to me too, that they not explicitly, but there's like hints that one of the characters is probably not like, you know, some, liberal snowflake like all of us uh is probably a conservative kind of redneck guy mm-hmm. and so his his reasoning for it is maybe a little different than theirs like that it's like you know they took his family land away for the pipeline and like that it's the the equipment is killing you know the livestock and stuff and so it's a whole different reason but it's like we all have a reason to do this like it makes a really good argument that like this is not a political issue like we're like we're all dying because yeah. of this um so I thought that was really smart. Um, yeah. I, I would know. love to watch it with your mom, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Did they just blow Did up? Did it blow up? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, Mima, <laughs> but we'll watch it with you. <laughs> if this comes to uh, a wider theater theatrical release, mom, I would love for you to come see this with us. I, was li- I literally said it as we were walking out of the theater. Michelle can attest. Yeah. I, said, I, I said, Mom, this would be such a cool movie to see with Mom. <laughs> so Mother's Day, let's take her. Let's blow up a pipeline, Maya. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's hard to say too much more without spoiling it, which I think would do it a big disservice because it's so tense. If you like heisty, tense, blah, blah. 
That's all. Uh, Heist intention wow. and climate. <laughs> See how to blow up a pipeline. <laughs> this movie also takes a lot of swipes at like activist filmmakers, which is was funny yeah, to that me. That was funny. Because it's yeah, these people who I mean, granted, they're trying to do something, but it's like, you know, in the eyes of what's happening, it's like, okay, this is only so much. <laughs> yeah. It only does so much. <laughs> and they're always like, I wish I could do more. And it's like and they're always like rolling their <laughs> eyes at them. And we were in an audience full of like, you know, active uh, stop cop city protesters who've probably been living in trees half the half the time. For Dealing the last with year, people like asking them like, who <laughs> they thought that stuff was like particularly hilarious. So it was aimed at the right audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think this movie is fantastic and is so clearly the best movie of the year so far. It's not even close. Not even, even more close. than Alexander Skarsgård jerking it to the camera. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe when we see that unrated cut, we get to see some, yeah. get the hog cut. Hog cut, hog cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Infinity Pool is my number two, but this is much, so much better. Yeah. So much. Well, it'll be interesting to see how long that survives. Let's see what Barbie brings. Barbie, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, yeah. I mean, Who knows? I don't, I don't what know else. what else could top it at this Probably point. Probably nothing yeah. else. It's going to be a bad year for movies. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, this one is excellente. Cool, cool, cool. How about the pipeline? Go see it. Not, a, not streaming anywhere, but um, hopefully it'll be in more theaters soon. Sure, it will hope be. it's getting a lot of good hype. I gave it five stars. I closed it. I gave it four and a half because I never... Give five stars. Yeah, you're one of those people. Unless it's um, a perfect movie. It currently has a uh, it has nine thousand ratings on Letterboxd and has a three point nine. So that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Let's get depressed with targets. <laughs> There's a lot of good movies this month. Yeah. I'm back, babe. <laughs> yeah. Forcing you to watch. S-H-I-T. <laughs> Forcing me to watch good movies, I think yeah. is what you mean. I'm mostly watching garbage when you're I was like, Vinegar Syndrome had another sale. Some more act for movies. <laughs> All right. So we watched Targets, which came out in 1968. Direct I. 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 Direct That's a good tagline. It is. The fate of a washed-up horror actor intersects with a psychotic sniper on a killing spree. Starring Tim O'Kelly, Boris Karloff, Arthur Peterson, Monty Landis, Nancy Hoost, Peter Bogdanovich. I wish wish that they would have named Boris Karloff's character Chorus Barloff. They basically <laughs> His did. Name it's is Byron, Byron Orlock. Orlock. It's pretty close. And I'm pretty sure they mess it up at least once yeah, or twice and say his name. We were watching and I was like, did they just call him Boris Carl? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they did. Wait, that's my only criticism criticism. Was like, just just use his real name. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's about him, obviously. Uh but yeah, this was an interesting movie. So I saw I think it was one of those LA theaters did a screening of it and then maybe it's coming out with a new Blu-ray release and I was like this seems yeah. interesting so i added it to my watch list and it was streaming or we went to video drone and rented it because i couldn't wait i couldn't wait anymore yeah i had to see targets <laughs> that's what you told them i was like give me targets and they're like ma'am get a hold of yourself targets, <laughs> um so this was very interesting and another movie that would not get made today one of those films 
Probably not. Would not get funded. Um, it was a little hard to see how... So the story, it's kind of a double narrative where it follows Boris Karloff and kind of him coming t- like He's, to the end of his career. Yeah. He feels very like worn out and tired of the same stuff. And one of his arguments is that like Who the could real be, world yeah. is much scarier than like what we're doing in these silly monster yeah. movies. Um, and then the other sort of story going on at the same time is this... Very American dream, like picket fence uh, son slash husband who's living with his parents and is a gun lover. And you start realizing something's not quite right with him because he's like pointing guns at people and like going around to gun shops and buying lots and lots of ammo and stuff. And it's very he's very off. And he even says, like, I don't feel like myself or like I, I get these weird thoughts like he's trying to talk to people about it and they're yeah. just like oh honey go buy us some milk or whatever yeah. very dismissive <laughs> of it yeah um but it's very interesting how these two storylines come together in a very intense drive-in movie theater scene yes that i was like what this is scary <laughs> it's so <laughs> horrifying <laughs> this could happen yeah um <laughs> And then I love, <laughs> I really like how. That's what you said when we were yeah, watching it. Boris Karloff's, uh, I loved his role in that part. It's very, very cool. I like it. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I kind of, I wasn't that crazy about the Boris Karloff part, if I'm that, if I'm super oh honest about God. it. Like, I thought it was fine, <laughs> but I felt like. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's tough because if the movie was just the other part of the story, it would be scary, but it would also feel just sort of like a B horror grimy yeah. thing. And like with the Boris Karloff thing, it feels a little bit more real, I guess. Well, it's a very weird mashup. It is. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Like knowing, knowing the story behind it is kind of interesting and made me appreciate it more that basically Roger Corman had, uh, he told Peter Bogdanovich, like you can make any movie you want so long as you use some footage from the terror, this other movie that he had made. Yeah. And you shoot with Boris Karloff for two days. Cause he owes me two days on set. Um, and so, and, and it's super interesting because in the movie, Peter Bogdanovich is basically playing himself. He's playing a writer who's trying to convince Boris Karloff to do one more movie because the last two they did were dumb. And he's like, this next one is going to be really cool and really yeah. like meaningful. Um, and that's essentially what this movie is for him in real life. Cause in, he'd done these two AIP movies that were kind of, you know, whatever. Um, so that's really cool. But anyways, the whole story with the killer is like really, really good. It's super terrifying. Um, particularly now it's more relevant now than it was then, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's just super chilling. And I can't imagine, Seeing this at the drive-in when it originally came out must have been like genuinely Horrifying. pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we also learned that there's a scene where this sniper is shooting at cars on the highway mm-hmm. and that they filmed it without a permit. So just keep that in mind when you're watching the scene. Yeah. I mean, obviously you didn't really shoot anybody, but no. they would like radio to the cars and the cars would just drive off the road. Yeah, like, and like pretend you're getting shot at. It's yeah. like, I would have been like, what if you're on the other, like behind one of these cars? It's so yeah. dangerous. It is pretty dangerous. <laughs> um, so we ended up really liking targets. It's very interesting. Yes. I gave it four stars. I did too. And I was trying to think, what other Peter Bogdanovich movies have we seen with him as a director? Oh, Paper Moon we both liked. Yeah, I like 
I think I we, don't remember Last Picture Show yeah, enough. I think we need. I think it's time for us to rewatch that movie because we've tried. We watched it once and we thought it was okay. That was like in high school, back, yeah. practically. We weren't ready for it because <laughs> um, everybody loves it. Yeah, I'm looking at some of his other movies, like one with River Phoenix, The Thing Called Love, or uh, What's Up, Doc. I've, I've heard, heard of that, of that one. one. Yeah. Or Noises Off. That looks like a ruckus comedy. <laughs> I don't know. Starring we'll have to Michael check out Kine. some more. Uh, any other thoughts on Targets? Uh, no, ma'am. I really, really liked it a lot. All right. Next up. What have you done to Solange? Oh, yeah, I didn't have reviewed this yet. Well, write it now while I say this very long synopsis. Go ahead. So, this came out in 1972. Directed by Massimo Delamano. It's not a very long synopsis, I lied. After several co-eds are murdered at a college, a professor who is having an affair with one of his students becomes a suspect. When other gruesome murders start occurring shortly thereafter, the teacher suspects that he may be the cause of them. That's a weird plot thing. He's not the cause of them. Uh, what'd you think? Oh, so, it's starring Fabio Testi, Karen Ball, Christian Galablo, Justin Lindbergh. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. Mom's like... <laughs> uh, so this is the first movie in what was going to be like a trilogy about, uh, I don't know exactly, women <laughs> getting murdered. Um, that was, not every movie in well, the 70s. Well, are. they also have question marks in the name. So what have you done to their... What have they done to your daughters is the the second movie and then third one never got made because the guy passed away. Um, but uh, I was really excited to watch this with you because I loved what have they done to our daughters um, and really still really want you to watch that movie. I am feeling like that kidding. was much better than this. <laughs> I liked this one, but it's, it's far less interesting to me than, than the second one. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know. This one works. It's a pretty good, like blend again, like that one. It's a pretty good blend of Giallo and like police procedural where they're like trying to solve this mystery. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it kind of feels a little all over the place. Um, it and it did very, get confusing by the confusing. end. So I enjoyed this up to like a certain point, but then the plot kind of did like a nosedive and then it just got super complicated. And the entire setup of the film just felt like, like what was the point of the setup from the beginning? Cause they just go all off script. Um, and I feel like, that's my complaint with every Jalo, though. It's never like a who done it. It's a who can we randomly pull out of the background and make the killer would force together plot points to make it well, work. Well, <laughs> I did think by the end it made sense who the killer was, and it. I don't know. I thought it, it made was sense. a long way to get to that. So it was very complicated. Well, I didn't. It started to drag a lot. I I do agree. Like, it felt longer than it needed it. to be. <laughs> and the other thing that was really odd about this one is there's like it starts out the whole movie like this professor's wife, who's also a professor. Uh, she's like super suspicious that he's having an affair with a student. Which she is an underage minor. <laughs> yes. And then it's revealed that like when this girl spoiler gets killed, that she was a virgin and that they never slept together. And it's so okay. yeah, then she's like, I was so wrong. And it's like, yeah, he was I'm still going having to help this, like, you. Yeah. He was like paying for an apartment for her. And like, it was still this like very like, inappropriate relationship. Very weird. And she suddenly, just cause they didn't have sex. She's like, Oh cool. No worries then. Yeah. Uh, so bizarre. Yeah. Like if I started hanging out with like a 16 year old girl all the time, it would not be a normal thing to do. Nope. 
Um, so yeah, it was, that, that was definitely odd. And it, it was like, we kept thinking like, is she the killer? She's acting super weird. Yeah, and, she's like nope. spying on him all the time. It's like, yeah. I don't know. But I like this. Okay. Um, I didn't like it nearly as much as the following movie. Um, so that's too bad because I'm always trying to convince you that Jalo, Jali have merit. And I might not. I just might not like Jolly. You're not the only one. I have several I just like might not like who it. don't like them, which is, a, which is sad because I really would like to share these with people because I really enjoy them. I like the good ones. <laughs> you haven't seen any of the good ones. I've seen some. What's the best Jolly you've seen? You're going to say Suspiria something. it's not a Jolly. Oh, Harper's getting testy. Sassy. Deep, Harper's deep trying red to is do probably his the most, neck sass. <laughs> deep Red's probably the most well-known. Honestly, they all run together. Yeah, see. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, Alas. <laughs> what have you done to Harper? <laughs> I gave it three stars. I'm probably going to give it three and a half. Um, and this, we rented it from Videodrome, but this is it on It is on Canopy. canopy. So, next? next up, another... Uh-oh. Spliced apart. And that time, this time it's me. <laughs> me, I'm a part. <laughs> so I watched a movie that Viola Davis told me to watch, and that is Once Were I Warriors, <laughs> which came out in 1994, directed by Lee Tamahori. Which you're not gonna believe the crap he has made. It is so bad. Well, one he made Along Came a Spider, which I love, hmm. and he made The Edge, which we liked. Oh yeah, um, that's a good movie. But he also made Triple X, State of the Union, Die Another Day, and Next, which actually I've never seen. Die Another Day. I just know everybody hates it. Oh, the it. Bond movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. Probably not just good. Nah, another another day. day. <laughs> but it's got my man Pierce Brosnan. Anyway, this is a. F- the tagline, a family in crisis, a life in chaos. Nothing is more powerful than a mother's love. That sounds very, very, uh, I don't know, s- sappy. <laughs> so this is a drama about Maori family living in Auckland, New Zealand. Lee Tamahori tells the story of Beth Heckey's strong will to keep her family together during times of unemployment and abuse from her violent and alcoholic husband. Starring Rena Owen, Tamura Morrison... Mama Gangora, Kerbel, Julian Arahanga, Chwangoria, Emil. Uh, who's Boba Fett? Is that Tamara Morrison? Tamara Morrison, yeah. Yeah. So you got Boba Fett in this. Uh, and yeah, this is a New Zealand movie that I never heard about. And it came out in the 90s. And I ended up loving this movie. Mm. It was so good. Viola Davis was correct. This is a good movie. It should be on Criterion. Wow, I'm going okay. for it. Right. <laughs> Although I'm going to say this and then you'll watch it and you'll be like, it's okay. <laughs> but so I was not prepared for this movie. Like I watched the trailer and like I saw people review. I watched the trailer with you and I thought it looked kind of like a little comedic. It's not comedic though. Yeah, the trailer at all. That way, right? <laughs> like I'm not making that it's up. It's a very, like the trailer is very 90s. Yeah. So it's just like, it's not doing it much justice. Um, and it's like early mo- I thought it was gonna be it's more like Oscar Beatty but it's not it's a good like indie little New Zealand movie um but it was super intense and violent and very powerful <laughs> okay. uh but I wasn't prepared for how violent it was going to get because it's very like 
what's his name, Boba Fett, like really beats the crap out of his wife. And it's very hard to watch. And like, it's like their whole family is uh, like low income trying to get by. And she's like dealing with like her sons are getting in trouble. They're like joining gangs and she's like just trying to scrape together some money. Like she loves her kids a lot and she's putting up with a lot of stuff and trying to do the best she can. But all of this starts unraveling very quickly when something happens. It's also very hard to watch and uncomfortable. And so you get this like really great, strong female lead where sometimes you're like, I can't believe she's staying. Like, why is she doing this? But then later on you find out more about like her background and it dives really deep into like the Maori culture. Maori. Maori. <laughs> I'm very Southern accent. So, but it's also deals with like sort of the racism between that culture, which hmm. I don't know anything about really quick. But I mean, they talk about it in the movie. Yeah. So you get this like, there were people of the culture who are like enslaved and brought to New Zealand versus the people who are like the warriors. So there's like this mm. difference between the two. And so the husband's character, he was like, my past is like from enslavement and yours was like kings and whatever. And so there's like a lot of struggle between that. Yeah. Um, And then you get, you know, focused on like all of the children in the movie but there's like three the oldest three that you kind of get these different perspectives and like each one has to make this choice so like is this gonna make me stronger or is it gonna like end up destroying them and they're all just kind of trying to find their place in the world in this like very hectic chaotic abusive household yeah it's very very interesting hmm. very emotional <laughs> <laughs> and Rena Owens is amazing and I'm very mad that she like she was in like the Star Wars movies I don't Did remember her um she I can't tell on here how do you me Olivar oh boy in episode three what's her name I'll look up a picture Rena Owen how do you spell it R-E-N-A Owen okay so I think she's like the New Zealand equivalent of Linda Hamilton. She's amazing. Uh, yeah, it seems like maybe just like she a might background just be background stuff. She's like this lady. Yeah, which maybe he like pulled something to get her in it too. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of New Zealand and Australian uh, people in them because they filmed those. They filmed yeah. two episodes two and three in Australia. But he's very scary in this. Very intense. He's a really good actor. Yeah, like I was like, what? This is like scary. It's making me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I saw some people review, like, they thought it was a little cheesy. It's very, like, 90s. And, like, you can tell when they're pulling punches. But, like, I couldn't tell. Like, I was, like, this is horrifying. Yeah. And awful. Um, but also, there's also has, like, a unique film style to it. Like, it's not, like, consistent throughout the whole movie. But, like, the opening titles are very, like, oh, this is cool and different. And the, like, end credits are cool. And, like, they have some, like, wide-angle lens, like shots that make it more interesting yeah so i liked it a lot I i'll tell. make you watch it at some point well <laughs> i think at some point we need to have like a double feature night where we both watch one of the other person's discoveries for the year so i'll watch what have you done to your daughters mm -hmm. you or, or the collector's the one i really want you to watch because <laughs> i know you'd really like that movie yeah um but yeah and this is streaming on canopy i give it four and a half stars Wow. Not five, though. Never no five. Michelle. What's the last <laughs> movie you gave a five to? Any idea? 
I give five stars mainly to movies that came out a long time ago and I've rewatched. So like, look, at, I want you to look at your diary and tell me the last time you gave a five. <laughs> let's see. Can I sort it by five star? Yes. Oh, you can. Yeah, you're right. The Fifth Element. <laughs> wow. Well, it's it's from my diary. So my last like, <laughs> they're very weird. Fifth Element, Seven, Dumb and Dumber, The Fly, <laughs> Psycho, <laughs> yeah, I give Dumb and Dumber Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> Terminator Two, Night of the Living Dead, All the Lord of Rings, Pride and Prejudice, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. I guess Gone Girl and Wally are the most newest movies. Huh. I think for me, it's like I have to have. I think on a rewatch is when I give it five stars. That's fair. I mean, yeah, I, for me, a five star is a movie. I can't think of a any kind of significant issue with at all. Yeah. Like uh four and a half is like almost perfect, but there's one thing that really bugs me about it or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Five stars for me is like, I have to be able to rewatch it. It has to have something interesting that makes it unique or it has to be very funny. I guess <laughs> like Tom and Tomer. <laughs> yeah. Like I've most recent five stars I've given are obviously how to blow up a pipeline in seconds, but then also, uh, the long good Friday, yeah. 32 sounds, dumb and dumber, <laughs> Dawn of the dead, it follows. And then some classic stuff we watched around for Halloween, psycho, the birds, yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, <laughs> the usual. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Once for Warriors. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I'm gonna Be like me and one. Viola Davis. You should watch it before we go to New Zealand, at least. I definitely will do that. Yeah. Although it shows us, it has a, a clever opening where it shows this like very mountainous, uh, picturesque scene. And it's but like it pulls a back and it's a billboard and it's like rundown part of the town. This ain't the New Zealand you <laughs> basically <Middle Earth> you <laughs> expect. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it can't be. I liked it. What is next? I think we Clute. have... Yeah. <laughs> Clute. Clute. <laughs> I don't have a review that. for this yet, Clute. but we watched Clute, <laughs> which came out in yeah, 19... It's like saying it like, like yeah. shaft. Clute. <laughs> this came out in 1971, directed by Alan J. Pacula. Pacula. I don't know how you say it, so I'm going to say Pacula. they're both correct. You'd never take her for a call girl. You'd never take him for a cop. A high-priced call girl is forced to depend on a reluctant private eye when she is stalked by a psychopath. Starring Jane Fonda, Donald Sutherland, Charles Hioffi, Roy Schneider, Schneider, and Dorothy Tristan. That's probably everybody that we recognized. Yeah, I think so. So, Clute. I think you ended up liking this more than I did. I, I thought it was good. Um... I'm still kind of thinking through it, honestly. Me too. But I really liked it a lot. I really like Jane Fonda in this and Donald, Donald Sutherland. They're both really good and work together. I think it's an interesting setup kind of, and this is going to sound weird, but kind of because the the setup is not very interesting. Yeah. Like it's basically just a missing person's case and they think that the guy who's gone missing wrote these like obscene letters to this call girl in New York city. Mm -hmm. And they're from what? Pennsylvania, I think. I think so. Um, and so Clute is like a private, is he a private eye or a retired cop? Private eye. Okay. And he's a friend of the guy who went missing. And so he like insists on taking up the case himself and going to investigate. And so he meets, uh, Jane Fonda. Um, what's her name in the movie? Uh, Brie. Yeah. Um, and, Basically, you know, she doesn't like him. She doesn't trust him. And he doesn't seem to really like her either. And they have this really like complicated. So it's like the story itself is not super that interesting. The setup is not that interesting. 
But then it becomes their like relationship is super interesting. Yeah. And in particular, really, the movie is really about Brie. It really should be called Brie and not Not Clute. Clute. Yeah. Um, it's because about her. <laughs> it's much more about her. And I'm to the point where like you get glimpses into her like therapy sessions where she's like trying to figure out like why she's still, you know, turning tricks when yeah. she could be acting or modeling and that, you know, like the sense of power and control mm-hmm. that it gives her and everything. It's really super just very interesting and well, like, I don't know, like by the end, it was like, I was less interested in the actual mystery and more interested in, in her character. Yeah, I get that. The mystery is, it's, it's not like that complicated. Well, and you like, kind of, they kind of give away who it is pretty early. Yeah, like you kind of get a sense, like, I think it's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's the clute. And it is <laughs> get a um, clute. But you also get Roy Schreider as a pimp. Which was oh, interesting. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is all about Jane Fonda's character. And it was interesting to see all these different sides. Also, she gets sort of a glimpse at her what her life could become as they're trying to find different people that she's yeah, been acquaintance with. And like they're trying to they're basically just going through her whole past. Like, like you knew this guy. You must have known this guy. And she's like, I didn't know him and stuff like that. So there's a lot to it. I liked it. Yeah, I think it's a super interesting kind of character study, and it just makes me think we want, we've got to start making our way through Jane Fonda's movies because everything we've seen her in is she's freaking fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. I mean, we loved her, and they shoot horses, don't they? So basically, what I'm saying is we're about to be eighty for Brady. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be. Uh, don't make me. <laughs> no, but I'd like to see all of her older movies because I think she's phenomenal actress um you got nine to five which i've seen working nine to five i've not seen barbarella yeah we need to see that they shoot horses you mentioned uh what are some of the the oh china syndrome i just ordered uh, that's on its way from indicator so and i that seems like a michelle kind of movie a political uh, cover-up movie. That's definitely in the shot. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I'm very into 70s crime movies. Mm-hmm. They are so good. I wish we'd get more crime stuff. Nowadays, it's just too blah. Yeah, I don't know. Other disagree. than David Fincher stuff. It's like, nobody really takes the time to make a good mystery. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Clute. We rented it from Videodrome. It looks like it's not really streaming. You could probably get it off Amazon. But yeah, I like Clute. It's just not my favorite. Yeah, I get it. Like, uh, it's a movie that I might not be thinking about a whole lot later, but I really enjoyed it when we were watching it. I just thought it was really interesting. I gave it three and a half. I will probably give it a four. And that is Clute. Crimes. A Passion Passion. is the next film we will talk about, (laughs) which came out in 1984, directed by Ken Russell. Ken. The man. The penis, Russell. (laughs) Don't have a button for that. (laughs) Never have two consenting adults consented to so much. (laughs) That's kind of a great tagline, actually. Uh, so this film is about Joanna Crane, who lives a double life. During the day, she works as fashion designer, but during the night, she is the high-class sex worker, China Blue. As she is accused for industrial spying, uh, Bobby Grady is hired to shadow her. However, they fall in love. Meanwhile, a psych- uh, psychopathic preacher starts stalking her. Starring Kathleen Turner, Anthony Perkins, 
Bruce Davison and Annie Potts. Bruce Davison and Annie Potts are barely in this movie. That's John true. Don Laughlin is the other actual star. Yeah. I don't remember who is Annie Potts. Yes, his wife. Bobby's wife. His wife. <laughs> his wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I didn't mean to do that. So, Crimes of Passion. Mostly liked it, but it's definitely not my favorite Ken Russell film. Uh, but it's hard not to love Anthony Perkins in this because he's like a serial killer pre- preacher, but he's not even a preacher, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's just a crazy person. Uh, yeah, this one's weird because it's like, it's probably the least abstract of the ones we've seen of his, but also the least like narrative, like in terms of like, there's barely a story really. Yeah. Not much. (laughs) Like, it's really just like, here are all these people and here are their weird obsessions and problems, uh, around sex. And here are things that happened to them. But it has many phallic imageries, penises, (laughs) penises, <laughs> maybe, like any Ken Russell maybe film. Maybe even more like more than usual. phallic <laughs> puns and jokes yeah. and imagery than in any of his other movies, which is really saying a lot. It is. <laughs> I mean, this one includes, I mean, should we spoil what the HP Act is? Yes. Okay. So they keep referring to this. They're like, don't bring out the old HP Act. Please don't. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. Like, what is it going to be? the husband, Bobby, his Wait, her husband. <laughs> uh, her husband. <laughs> uh, basically, he just comes out during this like grill out party, and he's only wearing underwear, mm-hmm. and he has two basketballs in like pantyhose, one taped to each leg. Mm-hmm. And does he have like a bald cap on or something too? Potentially, maybe. <laughs> but he HP stands for human penis. Yes. <laughs> and so he proceeds to slowly become. Erect. Was he aroused? (laughs) And then he like spits a bunch of milk out of his mouth. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like doing space odyssey music, right? Yeah. One of his friends is is like doing the space odyssey music. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. I gave it three stars. We watched it because it was on the Criterion like erotic thrillers channel, which not hasn't been the best selection. Yeah. I mean, Body Heat's great, but I watched Poison Ivy and like, eh. There were so many on there I'd never heard of. And yeah, I don't know if yeah. they're going to Body Heat, Body Double. Those are fine. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought Kathleen Turner was actually very, very good in this. Yeah, she is. And I think it was an interesting to have a contrast between her and uh, Anthony Perkins because she's like very like clever and witty, but also like vaguely believable yeah like it's just an interesting character a complex character Mm -hmm. and anthony perkins is just like a cartoon character he's ridiculous yes he's like super (laughs) over the top um so the contrast between them is kind of interesting and then you throw in this other guy john laughlin as bobby who's like the most boring protagonist ever hey bobby (laughs) (laughs) he's got a gun (laughs) die uh if you get what that is tweet at us um Yeah, so it's interesting. I feel like if maybe if Bobby had been an interesting actor, like a better actor, then it might have been different. But he's yeah. okay. The trifecta. The other two are really have yeah. really fun performances, and his is just kind of dull. Agreed. Except for the HP act, of course. Yeah, that was the highlight. There's nothing dull about that. <laughs> I gave it three stars. Three and a half for moi. 
It's currently on Criterion, Canopy, Pluto, and Shout Factory channels. All right. All right. Next is a special movie. All for ladies. Man, I still (laughs) have not reviewed this. I forgot again. Oh, Harper. How can you forget? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how I could possibly forget that. So this is Party Girl, which came out in 1995, directed by Daisy Von Schurler Mayer. Sassy, savvy, and definitely clued in. Uh, So although Mary has little income, she still finds ways to spend her nights at clubs. After being arrested for throwing an illegal rave, she asks her Aunt Judy for bail money. Judy then finds Mary a job at her library. Libraries, Uh so that Mary can repay her. Initially, Mary finds the job as a clerk boring and stifling and prefers to get to know a street food vendor whom she likes. However, Mary must refocus her life once she loses her job and apartment. Starring Parker Posey, Anthony DeSando, Guillermo Diaz, Donna Mitchell, Liv Schreiber, Omar Townsend, Sasha Von (laughs) Scherler. I don't remember if there's anybody else. Lady Bunny. I don't know who Lady Bunny is. Famous drag queen. Uh, they're credited as themselves or itself, I think, right? <laughs> Them's fine. No, I think it was itself. I mean, on the credits of the movie. Oh, I, think it was I don't Lady remember. Lady Bunny as itself. <laughs> um, and probably a bunch of other like famous fashion people we wouldn't recognize. Yeah. Who knows? So, Party Girl, we went to a special showing at the Atlanta Film Fest. It was like the Fun City new restoration. Mm-hmm. There was a brief like Q&A in the beginning, virtually. Skype not in person, but it was fun. It was a fun little movie to watch in a big theater. It really was. I 100% agree. I liked it. Well, it was funny because... So we had been wanting, we had knew that they were, that they were going to be screening this because we go to yeah. a lot of the Plaza Drone things. Um, and then, uh, but weirdly enough, a couple of our friends had recently watched it. Just Who won't be named? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't remember if they watched it because of the Fun City Restoration or if it's streaming somewhere recently. I guess it's on maybe. Tubi. Or, oh, it's on Criterion, like you said, I think. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's how. But uh, And they both thought it was not so great. And so we went into it with kind of low expectations. I did go into it with low expectations. Um, And I ended up really liking it a lot. I don't know if I'm biased because I work in a library, but all the library stuff was so funny. Yeah, it was. I agree. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Ha ha, hello. Yeah. And then like all the dramatic film editing where she's like, you do, do know, know the Dewey uh, <laughs> decimal classification system, right? And it yeah. like zooms in on his posters. I all like over how the <laughs> she would remember things her mean aunt said, and it would be like on The Simpsons when it's like Lisa Nate's prices. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious about grad school. Yeah. <laughs> so I could, like, I guess it wouldn't be for everybody because it is. It's definitely like a time capsule of the '90s. Yes, and specifically like the club scene of New York in the '90s, which we don't know much about. But I'm gonna assume this is 100 percent accurate. Yeah, Uh, I mean, like the cost, the wardrobe of the movie is really fun, Mm -hmm. a ton of fun. It feels like a a time capsule, like you said. Uh, Anything that comes out of Parker Posey's mouth is funny to me, so that helps a lot. Parker Posey is a national treasure. She really is. (laughs) Uh, I will say, 
I maybe docked this movie half a star because it's got some definite unfortunate language. <laughs> yeah. Not like a ton, but there's, a, I think maybe like two places where some, and, uh, some, not some, not so great homophobic stuff is done, is said. It wasn't said in a homophobic way. It was in the nineties way. <laughs> Yeah, it was. And it was in like a like a reclaiming the word sort of way. Yeah. But still but maybe a little like also a the like whole party she throws is problematic. Oh yes, that's <laughs> true. Uh, there's there's definitely some like cultural insensitivity yeah. possibly. Although it kind of plays into the story, like it's not supposed to be great even within the story. Kind of. But not not it's not looked down <laughs> on maybe as much as it should. Yeah, she throws yeah. a party. That's like, I don't know, falafel themed or something. Basically. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, yeah, so that's it was a little iffy. But most of the movie, I really, really enjoyed. I thought it was really funny. It's a really clever, like, um, what's the, it's not fish out of water. What would you call this, like, subgenre? Like, I thought it was just more of a coming of age story, but like, you're in your 20s and you have no path yeah. in life <laughs> this is gonna this is gonna sound like a uh like a bad thing but i almost my first instinct was to say it's almost like billy madison like it's about a goofball who has to yeah. go back to school kind it of thing is, a basically. little bit <laughs> so it's really fun though i really enjoyed this a lot actually i wouldn't mind owning this at all i liked it too i give it four stars four for me it is on Tubi, Criterion, Peacock, and Amazon, Canopy, uh, Pluto, um, Roku Channel. There's a lot of places you could watch this. <laughs> well, that's good. Because yeah. you should watch it, I think. Hey, Misha. Hey, hello. Huh? Hey, hey, everybody. Hello. Have you heard the news? Have we? Joe Bob is back in town. <gasps> oh, I thought we were still doing party girl stuff. <laughs> Sorry. I wanted to beat you to it before you started blabbing about the movies. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, watching crazy movies, so come on down. <laughs> so The Last Drive-In came back on Shudder. Let's buy it. <laughs> if you've been listening to this podcast for Shudder. any amount of time, you should know we talk about Joe Bob all the time. It's true. It's a double feature <laughs> oh. every Friday. Yes, when it's <laughs> and on. this Friday was a Lucio Fulci double feature. Mm -hmm. So we watched Zombie and The Beyond. So glad you called Zombie by its proper name. Not Zombie Flesh Eaters or Zombie Two. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I think there. I think there's at least one other name for it. I can't remember now, but yeah, uh, yeah. So Zombie and The Beyond to Lucio Fulci. Flicks. So we're going to talk about zombie real quick. So we are going to eat you. That is the tagline. <laughs> you don't even have Who's to go we? Go <laughs> you don't even have to go through all the stuff for these if you don't want. But yeah. Well, I'll just do the highlights. This is a zombie flick starring Tissa, Tisa? Tissa Farrow? Mia Farrow's yeah, sister? So Tissa Farrow looks just like Mia Farrow. Yes. I had not um, realized she was in several Italian horror movies. Me either. Uh, but Zombie is basically known for one famous scene. And that's, I would say a few famous scenes, actually. Okay, it's more famous, less for its story, and yes. more for its practical effects. And one Correct. of those is a zombie fighting a shark scene. Which is just... Yes, uh, it is pretty awesome. It is incredible because it's real. <laughs> Somehow, real zombie. They said they fed the shark a lot so that he was full, yeah, and then her, they sedated she, her. She's. We got her pronouns. And then the zombie <laughs> pretends to bite the shark and puts his arm in the shark's mouth. Yeah, 
It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so insane that somebody didn't drown and or get eaten by a shark while in a zombie costume. Um, yeah, the whole movie like, takes place in the Caribbean and it's like a doctor trying to cure this zombie disease because mm-hmm. I don't think they even say why it's happening. It just starts happening. Yeah, I don't remember. And it's spreading. So uh, Other famous scene, at least one. There, I would say there's two. There's an eyeball through yeah. the this splintered through the eyeball. Of the many <laughs> eye mutilations that Fulci is famous for, this one is by far his most famous and most difficult to watch, I would say. Um, yeah, splintered, big wooden splinter to the eyeball. Uh, that is very graphic. Uh, and a lot of good rotten zombies coming out of graves. Mm-hmm. Zombies coming out of graves is another really iconic, cool scene that I really love. And the final scene, uh, which I guess spoiler for a movie that's like 50 <laughs> years old. Um, they, uh, the zombies crossing the Brooklyn Bridge, which is super yeah, cool. Yeah, I was going to say the all the stuff in New York was kind of cool too. The big zombie on the boat. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of good chunks, but the plot is really boring. Uh, which Fulci movie are you talking about? Both. All Fulci movies is what <laughs> yeah. you're describing. All of his movies have incredible set pieces, and the, but the stories and performances and all that stuff are totally just superfluous. Yeah. But the set pieces are amazing. They're super memorable <laughs> and, and really cool. Um, so this was also paired with The Beyond which you could describe in exactly the same way you described zombie. It's a little different. I mean, beyond death, of- beyond evil, beyond the dreaded gates of hell. <laughs> so this came out in <laughs> 81. So like three years later, mm-hmm. and it's about a one- young woman who inherits an old Louisiana mansion and it has like a dark history, Yard. maybe with the occult entrance to hell in the basement. The usual you find you know. in any inspection. We found one in our backyard, but we're not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> Oh, oh, the portal? <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing. <laughs> Gates of hell. Um, I don't think anyone famous was in this no, that I, I recognize. So. so this one, I think I liked it a little more than Zombie. I think That's Zombie... interesting to me. This one has... It's trying to have a more interesting plot. I was just very confused through most of it. <laughs> so... But I thought visually it was a little cooler looking. Like maybe it was a higher budget and like the end scene was kind of cool with all the muddy hell people. (laughs) This is great. I was just like, I was looking up um, uh, the beyond. Well, what it's, uh, it's, um, oh my God, the Italian name. Is uh, "Etu vivra nel terror," which means "and you will live in terror," and it's a dot dot dot, and you will live in terror! Exclamation point! You gotta <laughs> love these Italian movies that use punctuation in the title. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what did you think of the Beyond? I like the Beyond, but it was funny when we were watching. And I was like, I realized that um, so much of what I I mix this movie and Inferno up because they're both about like buildings that have like evil portals underneath them or something there's parts of the beyond i really like but overall i think it's way less i think it's kind of boring until like the thing like zombie is like even when nothing's happening like it's okay um but the beyond is kind of boring when nothing's happening yeah um but i do like it uh and um i will say i like that uh uh so our our friends kyle and hannah came over to watch with us and uh (laughs) Kyle just said, so I guess hell's just a bunch of people laying around. <laughs> I thought that was really it's funny. Because, <laughs> yeah, basically when they show, quote, the beyond or hell, <laughs> it's just a bunch of like 
I guess they're supposed to be like ashen corpses. They kind of look like like volcano victims, just like yeah, laying on Pompeii. the ground. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny. Not much purgatory going on. <laughs> yeah, it's got some cool bits. Yeah. So I ended up giving the Beyond three and a half and Zombie three. Interesting. I did. Uh, I did four for Zombie and three for the four Beyond. for Zombie. I mean, my God, the <laughs> set pieces are ridiculous. Well. Yeah. The fight continues. So just me. <laughs> but Jobo was fun to watch. So I think yeah. I go back and forth because sometimes you'll get like, I feel like this was a solid episode. Both mm-hmm. films weren't awful. So that was good. Because usually well, you get like one that's great and the next one's like, oh, why are we watching this? And I do think we'll talk about the second episode probably in next month's, I think. But yeah. um, I would do like so far in these first two episodes, I feel like when the show first started, it was much more like random on what the two yeah. movies were. And now it seems like they're doing more like thematic double features, which I really like. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, so these are both on Shudder. Shocking. <laughs> no, the beyond. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So next up, a movie that we watched together. Spice together. Indeed. And that is A Man Escaped. Which came out in 1956. Maybe this is our... Is this our oldest film for the month? <laughs> Probably. Probably. Uh, directed by Robert Bresson. A captured French resistance fighter during World War II engineers a daunting escape from prison. And that is the entire synopsis. Starring Francis Lettier, Charles Leblanc, Maurice Fierblock. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> A bunch of French people. <laughs> it's interesting. This is another one I was I saw Letterboxd had the original French title and so I translated it. And it's a death row inmate escaped. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. So what I like about this film is it's not like a typical prison break movie. It is based on a true story and they say up front this is just gonna play out exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. No dramatization, no over the topness. <laughs> yeah. And it still works because it's gets it's like a very slow burn at the beginning. And then when it starts actually happening and coming together, you're like, oh, my God, it's like the tension. There is so much tension. That's true. <laughs> yeah, this is super cool. Um, like, uh, and did you already say why we watched this? No. So I had seen some people talking about this, but it came up in a list of movies that inspired how to blow up a pipeline yeah and so it would i think i i don't remember why other people were talking about it but uh i decided we should watch it because we really liked how to blow up a pipeline well and we i think we like prison escape movies in general i think that's something we'll do an episode on eventually but this is certainly one of the best ones i've seen um and yeah it is really different because it's very like quiet Mm -hmm. And it's very, I call it like procedural. Like it's yeah. all just like, okay, how do we make step by step? You start with, uh, the first thing you got to do is get a spoon and you got to sharpen it on the floor so that it's sharp <laughs> well, enough first, to carve wood. you have to know Morse code apparently. Oh <laughs> yeah, Because everyone's like people next tapping door. on the walls. I'm like, are they yeah, saying like, something? You need the spoon <laughs> on your floor so you can make a sharp object. Then yeah. you got to like cut into the wood on the door. Then you got to make sure the door can look yeah. like it's not broken through even when <laughs> it is. And then you got to figure out how to make rope. And then you got to make a, a All hook. while potentially being murdered the next day. Yeah, it's very MacGyver-esque because it's like, how can I figure out how to make something that's gonna a rope that will hold together out of just like these things yeah. in the room that nobody will notice and then it also comes about like who can you trust mm-hmm. and 
who's going to rat you out? Yeah, it's super, super well done. Um, and then, I mean, I really enjoyed watching it. And then when I read the trivia and learned that like, okay, they shot it in the prison where this really happened because it was still standing. And they li- the tools that he uses to escape are literally the ones that the real prisoner made to yeah. escape. Like, it's not like they recreated him. Like, it's the real deal stuff. It's like, it's kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and yeah, it's like the movie, I don't think the movie has any music or anything. It's just like very much like plays out like There's the one like classical song they play a few times, but yeah, a lot of the movie is just quiet and it's just like, that's the whole point too. Mm-hmm. It's like they have to be quiet while they're escaping and you, you might just get like a 10 minute scene of them s- waiting like, yeah. <laughs> to find the right moment or something. And I love how you get like different things reveal themselves along the way. Like, Oh yeah. Uh, like a sound that they keep hearing is yeah, like, what is this, that sound? And like then, this persistent rattling sound yeah. that we keep hearing at, at, at regular intervals. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it's a guy on a bike. Yeah, squeaky wheels. (laughs) Yeah, it is super interesting. And it's all about, uh, I mean, the real guy, this was a French resistance fighter who was imprisoned in a, what what is that called? What was the the Nazi French government? Is it Vichy? I don't know. Uh, Government, I'm I'm blanking. But um, yeah, the Nazis imprisoned him and were going to put him to death because he tried tried to blow up a bridge, I think. Yes, he did. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's really well done. I liked this a lot. I liked it too. Um, it's definitely for a more subtle prison break movie day, but I think people <laughs> should see it. Well, it's not going to be like Shawshank. Yeah. No Shawshank here. <laughs> yeah. So a man escaped is on criterion. I gave it four stars. I also gave it four stars. Go watch it. All right. So the next one is another spliced apart. Uh, and that is Il Demonio or The Demon <laughs> uh, from 1963, directed by Brunello Rondi. Uh, it's Italian, if you can tell by my very <laughs> stereotypical accent. Uh, a night she wakes up bound to the bed and with a bleeding body, the revenge of the devil will not delay. Sounds like it's a movie about getting your first period, but it's not. <laughs> um, Purificata, that is her name. Can you believe that? <laughs> nope. Uh, a young peasant living in a small village in southern Italy is considered a witch by the locals, incurring this way into their wrath. That's a weird way to say that. Up to a point where she is condemned to a terrible sentence as punishment to her supposedly evil deeds. So, um, oh, and it stars, I'll say at least the main who plays Purificata, um, Delia Lavi. Um, so this was part of that folk core box at which I finally finished. Yay me. Um, do we have, um, just like applause. Ah! Sure. That's good enough. <laughs> that's a good celebration. Or, ah! <laughs> you could say that when I said I already have two more box sets to fill that spot. <laughs> We'll never hear the end of it. That's true. Um, <laughs> so uh, why I wanted to talk about this one is because it's, uh, I thought it was really good for one. So the that description is a little misleading. Basically, she's just really obsessed with this. She's like in love with this guy in the village and who this guy who's marrying another woman. 
And so she keeps like doing kind of midsummer esque stuff. She's like, here, have this wine. And he drinks it. And she's like, ha, I put my blood in that wine. Now you'll be forced to love That's me forever. Gross. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's no, it's, there's no question that she's That's like, a red flag. She's like weird and maybe like a little deranged. You weird, say weird. Weird, weird, um, But the point of the movie is that like, she's basically just like in love with this guy and is a little too like over the top and like what she's trying to do to, to make him like her. Um, and what the community does to her instead as they, what they think is like this, like very, you know, upstanding religious community, they're like horrible to her. And eventually, you know, she ends up dying. Uh, spoiler. Yikes. But, um, you know, it's a really interesting contrast, but what makes us especially cool is that the, that lead performance by Delia Lavi, um, is really good. It's very much, um, it feels very akin to like possession yeah. or, um, the exorcist even like this movie does, uh, they, I talked about that in like the behind the scenes stuff that, so there's a scene in this movie where she walks, she does like the spider walk thing, like uh, on her back or whatever yeah. in a church when they're trying to like exercise her. Um, and, uh, they were like, when they did that in the exorcist, they, had to make like a puppet. Like they couldn't really do it. And like this, she like really does it. And it's really unnerving looking and everything. It's very cool. That's why I want to rewatch exorcism. Of Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. Cause Dexter lady, she can actually do all Gen- of that. Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah. yeah. No, not Carpenter. It is Carpenter for sure. Jennifer Dexter. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but yeah, I always want to go back and rewatch it. Cause she was like really good at posing herself in awful positions and freezing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I appreciate the movies that really like kind of take almost like a dance, like a choreography kind of, uh, thing with the human body. It's interesting. So, um, anyways, that's the demon from 1963 or il demonio. Uh, and I gave it four stars. It's available to stream on shutter and Tubi. Tubi. It's on the Tubi. I wish we could be sponsored by Tubi. Oh, oh I wish. <laughs> what would they give us? I don't Free know. Less commercials. <laughs> All right. Next up on the watch list, The Hearse, which came out in 1980, directed by George Bowers. The barrier between life and death is no greater than the thickness of a door. And now that door is open. Uh, there is no door in this, though. It's true. A school teacher moves into her deceased aunt's house in a small California town and is harassed by unfriendly locals in a mysterious hearse starring Trish Van Devere, Joseph Cotton, David Gottschloff, Donald Houghton, and some other people I don't remember. Was Joseph Cotton the guy? Yes. From like Citizen Kane? Correct. Yeah. So this movie... This is by... The guy who directed this is the editor, most famous as an editor. He edited like A League of Their Own, From Hell. There's no crying in baseball. Stepfather, uh, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, The Country Bears, a lot of great films. <laughs> How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Yeah. You get the idea. So this film, it was pretty close to being great, but it kind of messes up a lot of things. Like annoying music throughout the entire movie. Yeah, it was a real problem. And there was some bad acting, but it has some good creep factor going for it, some cool jump scares, and it feels a little bit like a TV movie that's trying to be the car, but I still liked it. I would probably prefer the car. Between the car and the hearse, I preferred the car. Yeah, to me, (laughs) this is like, 
if the I feel like honestly the pacing and the music are the two things that really undid this because like if it felt if it had a little bit more of the feel of like the changeling for example yeah which it looks like that movie like mm-hmm. it has a lot and I guess that came to mind because Trish Vanderveer is well she's also in the changeling um and she's married to George C. Scott but um uh if it like had that feel to it because visually it is like that, but because the music is constantly at like a hundred percent, like be scared <laughs> uh, when it things really are just is. sort of like spooky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it would be way more interesting if it was a lot more uh, restrained, but it is great to see Joseph Cotton playing a drunk old man, throwing stuff through He's windows and, and calling yeah. people up. <laughs> B-I-T-C-H. That's <laughs> pretty great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, also, it it has like an interesting haunting story, I guess, but it doesn't <laughs> feel satisfying ever. But I do love when like the hearse driver starts coming out of the car and stuff. And uh, I don't know what else. There was something else I was gonna say. I forgot now. Uh, I like the young like carpenter dude who's like real into. Oh, that's what I was gonna say. Like the whole town is just unnecessarily mysterious everyone's like, oh, you live where? And then yeah. they just like walk away. We don't deliver there. I was like, just tell her why. Yeah. Like, what's the big deal? <laughs> People say it's haunted. People say the Satanists live there. Well, like, right. just say that. Like, she didn't do anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're so mean to her for no reason. Yeah. Like it has a lot of the tropes of like a good horror movie, but yeah, yeah just, I don't know. It just didn't quite <laughs> work. It was, it was disappointing because I had a high hopes for this one. Yeah. It had a potential. Just yeah. didn't reach but- it. That's uh, it's not that out of uh, character for a vinegar syndrome release it's true. to seem awesome, and then it, in reality is it's not it's bad. fine. <laughs> I gave it three stars. I did too. It's not currently streaming, but you could go watch the car somewhere. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, the car is awesome. Um. Okay. Next up. Oh uh, snap! <laughs> we watched a new movie. <laughs> nice. Good idea good to watch new stuff sometimes yes. <laughs> so we watched evil dead rise which came out this year directed by lee cronin mommy loves you to death Mommy's with the magic. <laughs> i can't do my voice anymore uh do, your evil voice, yeah. do your evil voice i forgot about your evil voice uh i'm too embarrassed ah. your evil voice <laughs> Okay, Harper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mommy loves you to death. <laughs> uh, two sisters find an ancient book that gives birth to bloodthirsty demons that run amok in a Los Angeles apartment building, aka the high rise. Evil Dead Rise? Get it? Rise. And thrust them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. <sighs> Starring. <laughs> Lily Sullivan, Alyssa Sutherland, Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, Nell Fisher, Anna Marie Thomas, Marabi Peace, Richard Carter. <laughs> I was surprised that I don't feel like I've seen had seen any of these other people in movies before, which is really surprising to me. But they all look so familiar. Yeah, exactly. It's the, weird. The, the little girl, especially, I was like, she's yes. great. She's like basically never been in anything. It was her first movie. Alyssa Sutherland, who's the mom. Uh, I've never seen her in anything. The only movie I've even, well, she's, she's apparently in the devil wears Prada and blood vessel, which is, I think a Nazi vampire <laughs> movie or something. Um, yeah. Like I've the never son seen son was she, in the hunter, which I watched, but he must've been like the hunter. Two. Or, oh, you mean the hunt? No, the hunter. What's that? It's the Willem Dafoe movie oh, where yeah. he goes to look for the Tasmanian devil. That's right. 
not devil, tiger. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, it was crazy because everybody seems like I should have known them as anything, but it's I true. didn't really recognize anybody. We had pretty different opinions about this one, I think. We did. So, so you go first and then I'll tell you why you're so wrong. I was a little on the fence about this. I think it has some creepy moments and some gory scenes, but it feels like there's something missing, something that doesn't capture the essence of the Evil Dead franchise. And I I think I like the last remake more. Sure. I think that one was a little more like in the similar vein as the originals. Um, but I do appreciate their large blood budget in this one. Ugh, but I so was not blood. a fan of the end fight scene, which is where I was like, eh, they kind of blew it on this. Can you say what about it you didn't like without spoiling it too much or no? It just felt ridiculous in a bad way, like a cheesy way. Like I was just like, I mean, yeah, Ugh. Evil Dead could never be ridiculous. But the whole other movie, it wasn't cheesy, and then it got to that point, and it was just like, eh, it's not working for me. Also, I don't think anyone ever spoke Latin. I mean, <laughs> the record did. Oh, that was the other thing. Like. They're like, I need my record player, but we don't have power. I'll whip something up. It's like, how'd you plug in the soldering iron? Like, to solder stuff together. I, uh, I have a soldering iron that doesn't need power, that runs on a battery. Do you? Yeah, I really do. Okay. <laughs> but that was just like such a like, why even have the power go out? Like, just, So they can't escape. I guess. It was just like, that's trying too hard. I... <laughs> Well, okay. Or have a portable record player with a battery in it. That sure. would have been more unbelievable. <laughs> um, but for the most part, I did like, I like the family dynamic aspect mm -hmm. of the whole movie. I just did not like the ending. There was so much I really liked about this movie. And I don't know, I feel like I've been way more generous with my scores lately. I've been liking movies more yeah. in general. I don't know why. But uh, yeah, I went into this with kind of pretty cautious expectations. Um, but yeah, I really like, the setup. I think the family dynamic is interesting um, because uh, I like that they're kind of like an alternative family a little bit. Like the mom's a tattoo they're artist. Cool hip family. The son is I'm like cool trying mom. to learn how to DJ. <laughs> um, what are the what is the little the daughter, daughter is making? Is an oh, activist. I know what you really liked. What? The littlest daughter. Oh yeah. She has a um, man. What was Stephanie. it? Stephanie. Yeah. She made, she cut <laughs> off like a doll's head and put it on the end of like a broomstick or something. Yeah. And called it Stephanie. It, it was, was like funny. I, I, it was you so did dumb. Laugh at that. that was funny. Um, yeah. So I, and, oh, and then the the main character the, who's like the aunt. She is a guitar tech for a band on tour, which I, I was like, oh, that's kind of a character we don't really see very often. Like that's interesting. So I liked that. That was my other problem. Because the whole movie starts with her taking a pregnancy test at a concert. Like, mm, I'm pretty sure she would have done that before or after work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> fair like, enough. what's the point of that? <laughs> but I guess it's a quick way to establish both her job and the fact that she's <laughs> too <pregnant>. quick. Uh, <laughs> this fair, movie's fair only enough. like 90 minutes long. <laughs> I mean, that's never a problem for me. <laughs> but um, I really like that the setup, there's like, you know, it seems like it's just an earthquake and basically it isolates them on their floor and they're yeah. like, Apartment building, they can't get down because the stairs are all messed up, a la a video game. But no and other floor is affected. Elevator, by it. we don't know that, <laughs> but uh, the elevator's out of order because of the power. And, and everyone's cell towers out. out because of the earthquake, and so they can't get on the phone. 
Yeah, the building's like con- being condemned is what's happening already before the earthquake yeah. happens. So it feels like all like, oh, this is possible. Like at least it's a reasonable way to isolate because that's one thing when you're and you like set an Evil Dead movie in the city, you're like, well, how is that even going to work? Like, yeah. The whole point is that you can't escape the cabin. And like I thought that effectively isolated them without it being like a, totally ridiculous. Um, but I thought... Uh, Sutherland who played the mom was really good, really super creepy. Yeah. And just another like effective, like physical performance, like Il Demonio. Um, and I thought all the kids were good and I won't spoil it, but I'll say about a little ways in the movie, I was like, man, how are they going to do an evil day movie? They don't really kill anybody. Cause they're definitely not going to kill these kids. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that's, I will, I'll, that's as far as yeah. I'll say about that. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that really worked for me is, uh, the sound design is just phenomenal. Like I'm, I really want to go back and read, I'm sure there's been some interviews and stuff with the sound designers, um, cause the sound design is fantastic in this movie. Very creepy, very like careful and subtle and well done. Yeah. Uh, I would, this is a movie I wouldn't mind seeing it in theaters again, honestly. I appreciate that there were a lot of, uh, lady stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a mostly it kind of felt actually. like it was written by a man. So there was stuff that I kind of rolled my eyes at too. When the little girl's like, you're going to be the best mom ever. And it was like, oh, it was a, they, they definitely pushed the. <laughs> and um, she's like, I am going to be a mother. <laughs> they definitely pushed that. Like, like, shut up. Like, All right. Somebody's been watching some James Cameron movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that I don't. I do think that like thematic anchor is not like the best. Well, done. yeah. Did you, did you like the like. Um, the opening and closing that were like, it was basically like the aftermath, like of it potentially spreading. Oh, the like wraparound thing. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, I think one of the other things, I don't remember in the originals if, like if you get, it made it more like an infection. It's kind of And like I don't that. remember in the originals if it's. Yeah. I thought is. they just kind of like, like jumped Ash from body to body. And then he has to cut oh, his okay. hand off, you know. All right. So it's kind of like that, yeah. But this was very like, it had to be like liquid black goo getting yeah, into you. Yeah, basically like drink their blood yeah. or whatever, yeah. Um, but I did like, I like the A-frame uh, <laughs> horror part. Mm. That was creepy. Yeah. And very gross. That was a gross beginning. Yeah, it was. Rip somebody's scalp off their head. It was really, it was a very nasty (laughs) beginning and a a really, I always appreciate a good effective title sequence. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was really cool. Um, and yeah, this is a movie to me that like, it works like weirdly well for me. Like in a way, the other one I would say is the newest, uh, whatever it's called. Is it the Blair Witch or just Blair? I think it's just Blair just Witch, Blair the new Witch. one. Like it's a movie that like shouldn't be very good, but for me, for whatever reason, it was like very effective as a horror movie for me. This was one that again, like that one, I was like really tense the whole time watching it. Just like, cause you'd really, I didn't know what was going to happen next. So yeah. I really liked it. I liked it. I just liked the last one more. I do too, but I um I thought this and was a good blend of Where the hell is Bruce Campbell? Like he helped produce it. Why didn't he get a cameo? His voice is in it. I want cameos. <laughs> I wanted him to be like I don't know, some weird janitor in the background. <laughs> I'm fine with them taking the idea of deadites, basically just like foul-mouthed like evil zombies that are like hard to kill. The book was creepy. Uh, yeah, the book the was super, yeah the production design. It's another thing I really liked. Yeah, the book and the records were really cool. I oh man, I keep thinking about the sound design of when he's playing the record 
and they show these like close ups of the speakers like yeah. shaking back and forth and they change the sound of the speaker to have this like tremolo. I was like, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> That's why you never, ever, ever read Necronomicons after night. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Always take them to an archive. Yeah. Where you have to use some of your blood to open it. Yeah. Is there anything in your archive that requires blood to open? That's made of human flesh and teeth? It doesn't require it to open, but there is an archivist, I won't say, who has kept like a bloody towel. And it's somewhere in our archives. And is it's gross. It Alexander Skarsgård <laughs> in succession? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's blood. <laughs> Bricks of frozen blood. Yeah. All right, that's probably enough about Evil Dead Rise. All right, I gave it three and a half. Four for me, and it is not streaming because it is in theaters, and you should yeah. see it in a theater, according to Harper. No, I do think seeing it in theater is probably fun. Although, that was the other thing. The ending ruined for me because our stupid theater had, like, projecting shadows of people walking in the hallway on the screen. Oh, that's true. The and I was getting so mad. Anyway, next movie. Michelle's, uh, this has been Michelle's cranky movie theater patron <laughs> of the week. Um, next, I'm sorry to say, we've got another spliced apart. And this is another folk horror movie, which I'll be quick so Michelle doesn't Big fall surprise. asleep. Well, hey, I just finished the box set, so you'll never hear about it again. I'll be jolly of this, jolly of that. Second week of Joe Bob, yeah. Psychotic women this, psychotic women that. Um, so this is Penda's Fen, which sounds like a made-up word, uh, from 1974, directed by Alan Clark. Uh, tagline, I'm nothing pure. That's a creepy tagline. That's kind of like weird. It. Through a series of real and imagined encounters with angels, demons, and England's pagan past, a pastor's son begins to question his religion and politics and comes to terms with his sexuality. Um, it stars a bunch of British folks. I, I don't know if any of them are famous or not, but Spencer Banks, John Atkinson's, Georgine Anderson, Ron Schmerzak, Ian Hogg. Yeah, I don't know if I know any of these people. Um, but uh, yeah, this is really interesting. I really ended up liking it. I think you would like it too, actually. Um, it's not really much of like an actual narrative. Like it's really just about this boy who's turning 18 and he's like really kind of questioning all these authorities. And like, he's trying, like, it's very clear through like his dreams that he's gay, but he is also like kind of homophobic yeah. and doesn't really know what's happening and under, he doesn't really understand it. Um, and, but kind of, it's basically just a bunch of ideas that come up like around his life at this time where he like goes to a lecture or there's a guy in town who's writing like kind of a controversial play and um, he's at like a military school. So there's all these different, and his, yeah, his father's a pastor, but like they live in this place that has like a really rich history, like pagan history. And uh, so it's full of all these contrasts about like, okay, England's religious history is really just like paganism that kind of, converted to Christianity, like turned into Christianity, not rather than just like they didn't like kill off the pagans. Like, mm. you know, so uh, that's why the Christian religion has like a bunch of pagan stuff sort of built into it. Um, like these uh, older people in the town who are very like stuck in their ways and with order versus like these young kind of iconoclastic people like the playwright who are seeking disruption and anarchy. Uh, and then there's like this military traditional sense of masculinity versus the like very obvious homoeroticism that exists in a military school where all these boys are like showering together and stuff. We um, love a sensual shower scene. You don't. Yeah. We just saw a really <laughs> central male, hairy, real hairy shower scene. We'll get to that one next month. It stars 
Sam Elliott. <laughs> right. Um, Tune in next month. <laughs> but uh, yeah, all of those ideas and stuff, they're, it's really explored with this kind of interesting blend of like slice of life, but also very surreal. Like there's really cool dream sequences, whereas we're, we're, which is where like the horror aspects really come in. He yeah. has like this one dream where people are like walking up to this altar and some guy is like chopping their hands off with a butcher knife. It's really cool. It's like the dreams I have. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you should watch this sometime. It's really interesting. This was another one like, I think I mentioned the other one, uh, Robin Redbreast a couple months back. Um, they were from this TV show called Play for Today, which were like these supposed to be like modern English stories. Um that were like TV movies. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's really cool. Just like Robin Redbreast. They're like two of my favorites in that box set. So anyways, that's Penda's Finn. I gave it four stars. It is, I think you can only buy it on Amazon. Like it's not streamable anywhere actually right now, but yeah, you mm. can get it from Severn in that full core box set. If you're interested. Interesting. Is it? Would you watch it? Maybe. Okay. We'll see what happens. All right. I'm full of surprises. Sometimes. <laughs> Um, well, I hate to say it, it's another spliced apart. But oh this time God. it's Michelle edition. Yay. So I watched Truck Turner, which came out in 1974, directed by Jonathan Kaplan. It's about a guy named Turner who is a truck. I'm he just kidding. Is a truck? No. <laughs> like, wait, you remember in Venture Brothers, Truckulies? Yeah, that's what I was thinking <laughs> of. Uh, black, bold, and bloody mean mm. is the tagline. <laughs> Truck Turner and his partner Jerry, who make their living as <laughs> well, bounty hunters. Jerry, he'd yeah. really get a cool nickname. <laughs> so they're living well, couldn't as. Couldn't he be like <laughs> Junkyard Jerry? He should be. <laughs> uh, they make their living as bounty hunters in Los Angeles and are hired to hunt down Gator, a pimp who has skipped bail. Starring Isaac Hayes, Yafit Koto, Alan Weeks. Nichelle Nichols, um, Scatman Crothers, Dick Miller, um, probably some other famous people. So, this is a black exploitation movie that is actually a western. And when you realize that, you appreciate the movie a lot more, and it is super fun. Okay. Um, because when you're watching, it's like, these characters are ridiculous. And then like, but then you start, it's like, oh, it's just like a Western. They're just bounty hunters and they have to go fight these crazy looking villains. Like in every Western, it's yeah. like some dude missing an eye and whatever. But it just happens to be pimps. <laughs> Got that right. And Truck Turner is like... Uh, he used to be like a famous football player, but then he got an injury. So he's like, now he has to do this work instead or whatever. And he loves cats. <laughs> well, that's a big plus. For yeah. You. There are two cats. No in wonder this you film. liked it so much. Um, so it's a little, ri- there's some ridiculous gun scenes. There's some ridiculous car chase scenes, but there's some ridiculous action, like fight scene bar stuff. It's, yeah. it's really fun. And I liked it a lot. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. I, that's, I think black exploitation is kind of a big, pretty big blind spot for both of us. Really? Yeah. Like we've both seen a couple maybe, but not, yeah, not I definitely don't many. watch too many. This does have a lot of, 
language, nonstop really? 70s era language. You mean you're not going to use a quote <laughs> from this movie? No, probably not. There's also a hilarious scene where this pimp, there's a pimp funeral and all <laughs> these pimps come to pay their respects, uh-huh. except for Yafit Koto, who is blue because he wears blue all the time. Uh-huh. Um and he like spits in the grave and everyone else is sprinkling like cocaine on the, the dead body. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's the type of ridiculousness. Yeah. <laughs> and also Nichelle Nichols is crazy in this. She's like a madam and yeah. she's over the top and amazing. That sounds like I almost say I recognize her. I was like, That's Nichelle Nichols? Like, what is she doing? To me, that alone <laughs> seems worth the price of admission. That yeah. sounds great. She's like giant fur and like jumpsuit spandex oh, it's crazy brothers are the same yeah and there's a part where she she ends up she wants revenge for the pimp who got killed mm-hmm. truck turner was like supposed to bring him in alive and he didn't oh, okay. he got shot at or whatever um and so she's like rounds up all the other people and they're like I want a bounty for Chuck Turner and like bring him to me dead or whatever. So she's like the Darth Vader in Empire yeah. Strikes Except instead of money, she's going to give away her beautiful gals. Mm. And then she like goes through each of them and tells them their story and how much they make. Wow. <laughs> so it's crazy. It's a lot of fun though. Uh, I added it to my watch list because the Plaza did like a mystery showing. Oh yeah. And this was the movie they picked and I had never heard of it. But I think the poster is kind of like how can you not add this to your watch list? That does look awesome. <laughs> and then the uh, Isaac Hayes was really good in this too. He's yeah, very like super likable and just like loving every minute of this role. It yeah. feels like so. It's also very comical. I don't know. There's a lot going for it. Sounds like a lot of fun. I'm teetering between three and a half and four. Okay. I, high high three and a half to four <laughs> okay all right fair enough and it is streaming on pluto for right. free just go watch Pluto's some commercials decent. yeah you just got, do you have to watch commercials during it i feel like there, it's I way less remember. than Tubi. yeah Tubi definitely has the most commercials pluto it's either you start off with a lot of commercials and then maybe one more or yeah. it's just nothing after that you i don't remember no commercials right because it's a lot you got a yeah, library card just like yeah. five free rentals well yeah so that's Chuck Turner. Turner. So are we going to bring it back home with Splice together? We are. And this <laughs> this is a movie about Harley. Aw, petite mama. Little mama. <laughs> Our little mama Harley. <laughs> so this came out in 2021, directed by Celine Sciamma. Eight-year-old Nellie has just lost her beloved grandmother in helping her parents clean out her mother's childhood home. She explores the house in the surrounding woods where her mother used to play and where she built the treehouse Nellie has heard so much about. One day, her mother suddenly leaves. That is when Nellie meets a girl of her own age in the woods building a treehouse. Starring a bunch of French people. You got that right. I need to have that peewee blah, blah, blah. Some Francais. Yeah. Fran- Au revoir. Blah, blah, blah. Francais twins. Some little French twins. Yeah. They are surprisingly good at How acting. How old are these kids? These I don't know, but it's a little weird. I need to find out. <laughs> I'm going to find out real quick. So, Petite Maman. It's a very cute, a uh, little depressing movie, but it's it deals with a lot of heavy stuff, but the two child actors are amazing in it they're surprisingly really good child actors which is bizarre um and i liked IMDb it does not say how old she is i mean they're probably like 10 
That's what I would guess. I think she's maybe a little younger. Yeah. But I liked it a lot and I thought it was very poignant on that feeling when you realize your parents are real people. Yeah. It's weird. They are? (laughs) Apparently. Sure. sure? (laughs) They have a life. So there's a lot of like philosophical questions this little girl is finding out. (laughs) Did you? Uh, did I totally miss when you said what the movie's like about? Yep. Okay. I'm sorry. I was too busy trying to figure out how old this kid is. Well, I guess I didn't go into exactly what it's about. So when the mom leaves, this little girl finds her mom's tree house and it turns out that somehow it's the little, the mom as a child. And so there's like a time portal (laughs) it's not sci-fi at all though it's just like oh this is my mom as a child let's go visit her house and it's it's like the 70s it's never clear at all whether it's like okay is this really like a magical thing or is it like just her imagination yeah it's hard to say yeah it's a it's definitely got a really good like magic magical realism Mm -hmm. vibe to it um yeah i thought that this was uh just a a good live action frenchier version of mirai uh, which I actually, I think I like this better than Mariah though. Cause Mariah yeah. has kind of the same concept where this little boy is really annoyed that he's got a new baby sister and, um, he basically through some magic circumstances, he meets his parents as, and grandparents as kids and yeah. how they like learn to grow up with siblings and stuff. So it's kind of a similar idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole movie rests on these two little girls' shoulders and the performances are really, really good. And it also yeah. shocks me how sophisticated little French eight-year-olds are. Because <laughs> um, I wrote my review. Well, I know when I was eight, I sure as hell wasn't asking for an aperitif. <laughs> and I wasn't saying, I'm off, as I went outside yeah. to go play. Or making like hot chocolate on the stove, yeah. like mixing it and stuff. Yeah. That's so weird. Crazy. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. But. Yeah, so you're left. It's a very short movie, too. It's only 72 minutes, so not a... Love a 70-minute. It's almost like a short story. feels like a short story Mm -hmm. type of thing. But at the end, you do wonder, like, did it really happen? Did the mom remember this and that's why she left so her daughter could go meet her younger self? Mm. Stuff like that is what I was thinking after. Yeah. Um, And then also about not having regrets... Like she got to say goodbye to her grandma Mm -hmm. the way she wanted to and not. So just processing all of that. It was very cute. Yeah. It was like a cute way of kind of seeing a child's mind of how they might process like uh, death and, you know, and and a parent who's like obviously very depressed and yeah. Yeah. It was really, really well done. It was, I definitely like Portrait of a Lady on Fire more, but this was interesting. Yeah. I'm a little surprised she. This was the follow-up to Portrait on yeah, a Lady on Fire. It seems very is, more quiet and subtle. And this is a very like kind of. It, there's a lot to it, but it is also a very simple movie. Whereas Portrait of a Lady on Fire is like a really complex, yeah. narrative. I think. I gave it four stars. Three and a half from moi. It's on Hulu and Canopy. Petite Maman. And after you watch it, you can call your cats Petite Mamans. We've been calling her like Petite Maman ever since. Little mama, get over here. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> big mama. Yeah, she's, she's not, what's big in French? Probably grande or something. Grande, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you one of them grande burritos? Grande mamas. <laughs> um, all right. So that wraps up our roundup. <laughs> So now we're going to move into our mini segment, streaming. Well, we didn't come up with a name with it. No. 
Battle of the stream, streaming, streaming suggestions. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Suggestions. Streaming, streaming, stream stuff. Streaming streamers. Streaming stream. Help me hang these streamers. <laughs> <laughs> so for this segment, we are going to be talking about some movies that are currently streaming. Some of our favorites. Don't cross the streams. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Petite streaming. <laughs> so we're going to go through HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Shutter, Criterion, and Tubi and pick one or two movies each in space no one can hear you stream yes i like that one <laughs> we got a wiener <laughs> so let's start with max aka hbo Ugh, i can't believe they changed it to max it's so stupid yeah so what'd you pick i picked the lobster you love the lobster. We have talked about semi recently. I think we did our Valentine's Day. Episode. We probably have talked about a lot of these um, a lot well, of times. <laughs> but yeah, lobster, excellent movie by Yorgos Lanthimos. One of the funniest, like dry, dark humor movies of the last ten years. I love it. And I don't know if you saw. He has a new movie coming out. Oh, really? Is there like a trailer or poster? There are there? pictures huh. and. I've read the synopsis. Oh, it's a weird one, right? It's very weird. Oh, man. What was it called? Poor Things with Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's about a girl or a young woman whose brain is replaced with that of a child's. That's right. And like by her mad scientist's father, maybe. Wow. And he's like has to... She's like in her 30s. Like, Emma Stone, I guess. Yeah. And she's like getting a... a brain <laughs> that's what it seems like we like movies with brains and it kind of looks like it might take place in like the early 1900s hmm. like so i think it's gonna have more of a like gothic frankenstein feel interesting potentially but that's all i got from these three photos I that mean, they released <laughs> i've either really liked or loved everything that lanthimos has put out since the lobster so he gets, he's got kind of a lifetime pass he's our me. man lobster was my number one movie of oh man <laughs> <laughs> Whatever year that came out. Because we like Dogtooth, Killing of a Sacred Deer, I Gotta Revisit, The Favorite's mm. Good. So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Lobster is amazing. I love the lobster. Well, it was your pick for Max. I picked After Hours. Ooh, what a good pick. Which is a Scorsese film. A Scorsese flick. But it's about to come out on Criterion, so maybe you mm. should wait. I'm so excited for that Criterion release. Yes. Yeah, so After Hours, it's like... This guy just wants to get home and all these horrible things keep happening, keeping him from getting home. It's part of the (laughs) subgenre of one crazy night. Yeah. So, and it has Griffin Dunn in it, who's my favorite. You might remember him from American Horror Story. The cast is amazing, too, because it also has like... Not American Horror Story. American Werewolf. Werewolf. It has like (laughs) Terry Garr and um, Patricia Arquette and... uh, uh, Cheech and Chong. It has, oh, I think John Hurd is in it, maybe. Isn't maybe. It? I don't remember. There's a ton, a ton of just people from that that scene at the time. It's great. Yeah. I feel like the more Scorsese films we watch that aren't as 
like about gangsters it's mm-hmm. like he's so good at it like he king is. of comedy and after hours are great i wish he'd his, do some more like yeah, that yeah those two comedic movies yeah, well he's probably had more but those those two comedic movies are really stellar yeah all right netflix i picked the raid 2 which is an insane action oh, movie man. you probably should watch the raid 1 but you could probably get away with not watching it Correct. what do you think I would agree, and a lot. Just of people, read a synopsis for the first. A lot one. of people would get real mad about that because there are a lot of people that still think the raid one is much better, which is crazy to me. The raid one is not better than raid, the raid one is two. good. It's really cool. Raid two is like a goddamn masterpiece. It's amazing. It's very complicated, it, but in a good way. There is so much action that's it's like insanity. How they got some of that stuff filmed and done like the mud prison fight is insane the car chases are insane there's what the baseball bat baseball people a kitchen it's like it's bonkers there uh i think you could genuinely make a an argument that it might be the greatest action movie ever made and like there are a lot of great action movies but this is definitely it's definitely in the top five if it's not the best. Even if me. you don't know what's happening, it's still t- so good. It's amazing. Because <laughs> I do think that it is complex, so I feel like people won't really know what's happening, but we've seen it enough times now. It's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did you pick? Well, I can't top the raid, too. No. But I picked a movie that came out last year that I really liked that I just thought did not get nearly enough attention, and that was Apollo 10 and a half. That was a Netflix original. Um, that's the one, the Richard Linklater, uh, and it's animated. So it's that, uh, what do you call that rotoscoped movie where it's like live action, but animated over it, um, about a kid growing up in Texas in the, in the early sixties who got, um, he, the idea is that they accidentally built the moon lander too small. So they have to send him up to the moon as a test run for Apollo 11. Um, and so it's, but really it's all about just like growing up it, during that time when we're racing to the moon and particularly in Texas, like all around NASA and stuff. And it's just great. I mean, it has all that kind of Richard Linklater charm of like slice of life, um, period piece. Uh, and it's just super, super charming. I loved this yeah. movie. Yeah. I think all the it conversations my... between the parents and the kids. Are yeah. Really Is funny. that a hippie? Uh, yeah, yeah. that's a hippie. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there was. Uh, this is a movie that I feel like went way too under the radar because it, it might have made my top ten for last year. I really liked it a lot. I don't think it made it in mine, but I did like it. So that's Apollo ten and a half. All right, so Hulu. I have two picks. Okay. I went with another round, which came out a few years ago. Very good. Another one that I feel like some people might have missed. That's Thomas Vinterberg, right? I think so. It has Mads Mikkelsen in it, and he's like a high school biology. T- teacher or some sort of teacher and uh him and his other friends they all decide to experiment by drinking a certain amount every day yeah. to make their lives better and give them more confidence but then it kind of spirals out they're of all basically mildly drunk all the time yeah um but it's it's very it's poignant and also very funny yeah it's an interesting mix mm-hmm um, definitely worth watching. Also, yes. Mads Mikkelsen dances at the end, so oh, you yeah. get that. That's what it's real famous <laughs> for. Um, I also picked Hell or High Water, which has Chris Pine. That's surprising to me. Why? Because I thought we didn't really like Hell or High Water. I love Hell or High Water. Do you? I've watched it many times. What? So I guess I'm the one who didn't like it. I guess not. I remember Kyle loved it, and I was like, it's I just so don't good. Get it. I thought it was okay. Let's see what you rated it. 
<laughs> it came out in 2016. David McKenzie, I gave it four stars. You gave it three and a half. You didn't huh. hate it. No, I didn't. I hate guess you it, didn't like it. But as I remember much. feeling like I was really surprised that like Kyle thought it was like the best movie of the year or whatever. Like I was like, oh, it was okay. It was great because it was also very timely. It was all about like coming out of the recession yeah, and like all the lives that have been destroyed. But then you get Chris Pine and Ben Foster and Jeff Bridges. The cast is crazy. It was a good cast. Yeah, it's probably worth. And it's the a great like me. bank heist movie. Yeah, Robin Banks, not really a heist. <laughs> So I still think it's a great movie and I like it. So if you're in the mood for like a Western-ish slash uh, robbery movie thriller, that's my pick. Yeah. What's yours? I picked uh, Some Kind of Heaven from 2020, which is a documentary by a guy named Lance Oppenheim. And it's uh, produced, if I remember right, I think it's produced by Darren Aronofsky, weirdly enough. Um, uh, This is... uh, a documentary about the, what is it called? Uh, man, I'm blanking on what the name of it, but it's this, it's like one of the world's largest retirement communities that's in Florida. Yeah. Um, and it's basically just follows these three different people who live there or actually two people who live there. One guy who basically is like this, like 68 year old, uh, guy who's like little, uh, uh, ladies man who like goes in there and finds all the lonely He's, old ladies. Yeah. Kind of a gold digger. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's basically just follows their stories of like, okay, one of them like gets there and is like, uh, you know, I've been, mar- I was married for a long time. My husband died. Now I have to like figure out how to make friends again. And what do I do with my life? She's and the saddest. She is very sad. It's very heartbreaking. Um, and then there's another one. It was like a married couple. And the, the guy is like clearly kind of starting to have dementia, like losing his mind. He's, well, starting, he's, to take drugs lot, he's starting to time. take a lot of drugs yeah. and, um, but it's not like a like depressing movie. It's a really kind of interesting, poignant movie that like treats these elderly people not as like the butts of jokes, but more like um, you know they're interesting, complete human beings. And most importantly, the movie is gorgeously shot. Yeah, it's it is really, really well shot. I mean, it's one of the most beautifully shot movies I feel like I've seen you know in the last couple of years of new movies. And it uh, and you don't see that a lot with documentaries. Um, and a uh, great score, too, if I remember. But, um, yeah, that's some kind of heaven. It's a really cool movie that I think people should watch. Yeah, that might be our only documentary on this. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. I picked another one. Oh, look at Harper. <laughs> All right. Look at the bring brain on Brad. <laughs> so, Shudder. I picked Brain Damage, which came out in 1988, directed by Frank Hennenlotter. Mm-hmm. And it is about... This little alien creature called Elmer, who... Um, you're going to take that blue juice in yeah. your brain. <laughs> he talks just like that. <laughs> and you're he uh, like kind of attach Like, he escapes from these two old people who have been, like, using his... He's drugs, right? <laughs> Basically, yeah. He feeds, he's drugs. <laughs> he feeds your brain, like like heroin or whatever. Yeah. And in exchange, he needs to eat other people's brains. Yeah. So he basically like attaches to somebody like a parasite and makes them go find brains because they're like addicted to this liquid yeah. he injects into their brains. And so, uh, Rick Hurst is the star and he's really great at it. He just goes for it. It's definitely a low budget horror movie that is definitely a cult classic now, I think. Yeah. Um, it's getting its, resurgence of love <laughs> my favorite thing in brain damage is when he's taking a bath when he's all high on Elmer's stuff yeah. and he's like Wee! 
<laughs> he's just like splashing around yeah. the bathroom like he's having way too much fun. It is. I love it. Very funny. And I love Aylmer's voice. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, you're going to have to get me a brain. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It is great. What'd you pick? I picked, I, I guess with my picks, I tried to pick movies that I feel like are lesser seen that I really want people to see. Um, not the lobster, obviously. Uh, but I don't think a lot of people have seen the lobster. I don't know. But anyways, <laughs> my pick for Shudder is Soul Survivor. And there are several horror movies with this name, but this is, I should have looked up like the year. I don't actually know. But um, this is what we talked about this a couple of years ago. We watched yeah. it around Halloween. It's like, a, it's essentially like, pre-final destination yeah yeah. it's about like this woman who's hers is a plane crash right slash it follows (laughs) yeah definitely she survives i think it's a plane crash right yeah um and then she has like kind of survivor's guilt but then like they're keeping like these specters of death like appearing around her and like her friends start like having these weird accidents or being like possessed and yeah it's essentially like this combination of like it follows in the sense that there's like death is like literally a person following her trying to get her and Final Destination in that, like, you know, it's like you can't, you weren't meant to survive kind yeah. of thing. And it's surprisingly really effective. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a movie that has been very, very difficult to see for a long time. And now it's on Shutter. So, um, yeah, that's a movie I would really recommend. We watched it around Halloween a couple years ago and really yeah, liked it. Yeah, we should probably rewatch it. I would love because we watched a really crappy version. Yeah. Of it. yeah. It'd be nice to see if the Shutter one's better mm-hmm. restored. Also, it has a great ending. It does. Won't give it away. Very cool ending, yeah. So, yeah, nice little underrated horror mm-hmm. movie. Uh, next on the streaming list, Criterion, Criterion. Channel. So, we go from Shudder to Criterion, Criterion. to <laughs> Um, So, I had two picks. Criterion Channel currently has The Shout which we have talked about so many times, almost as much as we have talked oh about God. Pin. How much everyone listening right now is being like, like oh my Aah. God, they're going to talk about the shout and Pin again. But if you want to hear a man shout that can kill people with a shout, <laughs> then you should watch it. It really um, is a kind of a masterpiece of a movie. And I don't know how long they'll keep this shout because it's part of the Jersey Skolomowski who did EO mm-hmm. um, channel. And I don't know if it was just a permanent thing or like... Uh, a few months if you hadn't picked the shout I thought about including Deep End that he also made yeah that's probably on there too just watch all of his films on Criterion Uh, the other pick was The Great Silence which was on my discovery list last year Mm -hmm. and it was a snowy western movie it's getting a little hot out though so you have to watch it soon you have to watch it on a cold day turn your AC way down yeah and watch it so it's just a really unique sort of interesting snowy western definitely seems like some kind of inspiration for uh hateful eight a little bit yeah yeah it's really good that's a great western i agree what did you pick i picked one of my all-time favorite movies that's on criterion and that is Haxen, um which is the i always forget i think it's danish um so documentary about uh, witchcraft through the ages, and it basically does all these really cool reenactments of like, here's how they used to like interrogate witches, and here are some of the rumors about things they used to say witches could do, or or you know the the evil occult things they would do, and the reenactments and stuff are so freaking cool, yeah, and are like very clearly visually the like, uh, uh you know, kind of where a lot of the like Halloween imagery we have now very clearly comes from this movie. Like the, the way witches and, and the devil and cauldrons and all that stuff are portrayed. I, I think a lot of that comes from this movie in, in movie history. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, Hexen is one of my all time favorites. It's the only silent movie that I've watched like five times. <laughs> it's so good. Um, next up is Tubi. What are we gonna watch on the Tubi tonight, honey? We have very different picks. Honey, turn on the Tubi. <laughs> So for mine, I picked Stand By Me, which is that 80s classic coming of age story about a bunch of little kids who are now super famous. It's funny what we both picked because mine is a movie you really love and yours is one of my, Stand By Me is one of my all time favorite movies. Like it might be in my top 10. Yeah. So it's just a great film. It's uh, an an adventurous, like, is it 60s? Takes place in the 60s or yeah, I think Maybe early 50s. 60s, late 50s. I'm, I'm um, not sure. But you get to see a dead body. <laughs> Kids want to see a dead body? Yeah, yeah I, I just mean, love the like kind of brotherhood relationships they're navigating and stuff. It's great. Stand By Me is one of the best movies ever made, un- unquestionably to me. Uh, it's a, it's, I think it's the it's best It's crazy. It's movie. a Stephen King story. You know what's really crazy to me is, so on the King cast, the podcast where they talk about Stephen King adaptations, they were talking about, how the, nobody talks about Rob Reiner is like one of the great directors of all time, but this guy directed stand by me, which is arguably one of the best Stephen King adaptations. I'd say aside from like and maybe the shiny. He also did misery. Yeah. <laughs> two, two Stephen King adaptations that are fantastic. Like one of the best horror movies, one of the best yeah. coming of age movies, uh, and one of the best, uh, romantic comedies with, um, when Harry met Sally. And Princess Bride. And Princess Bride. It's crazy. Comment, just it's Spinal guys. Tap. Oh, just pulled up his list. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he made like five or six masterpieces, all in, more or less all in very different genres. Yeah. Um, like you would never guess that the person who made Misery made Spinal Tap, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I think Rob Reiner is really interesting. But yeah, Stand By Me anyways. It's unbelievable. It's a movie I've watched a gazillion times. Yeah, it's a good one. It's worth watching with commercials. That's what we're it saying really with Tubi. <laughs> uh, my pick for Tubi is a movie that is we've talked about before, and I mostly picked it because it's been really hard to find for a yeah. while. I had no idea it was on Tubi now, um, and that's Ghost Watch from 1992. Woo! Is that right? It's definitely 90s. I think it's 92. Um, Ghost Watch was the, like, TV British TV event where they acted like these actual real life British newscasters were pretending like they were doing this thing where they were interviewing people who lived in a haunted house on Halloween night. Yeah. And it was on Halloween night (laughs) and they had like, you could call in and all the calls that were on the show were fake. And Mm -hmm. so it was like genuinely really scary and caused like a panic in the country. Um, which is why it was really hard to find for a while. Cause yeah, they, they wouldn't show it again. <laughs> um, but it's a masterpiece. I think it's the best found footage movie ever made. Definitely the best TV found footage movie too. <laughs> well, yeah, it's so good. Um, it's a little outdated and I will say when we watched it, it, I kind of wish we had it on VHS because <laughs> the quality, you can see more of like the effects they use. So it's not as kind creepy. Of. The first time we saw it. The first time I watched (laughs) it by myself and it genuinely really creeped me out. I was really unsettled. It's very good. Uh, Ghostwatch is one of my favorites. Except for... (laughs) They they call this this little closet under the stairs (laughs) the... The glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot. And about they say the it like hole. a hundred times. They do say glory hole like a lot <laughs> in the movie. It was like this is really what y'all British people are calling this. 
Don't you remember? Uh, <laughs> it's a closet. Watch, just call it a closet. Remember we used to watch the soup, and they always brought up there was some show about people who were like searching for gold up in Canada, yeah. and they kept calling it the glory, glory hole. hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Ghost Watch is very creepy, and it's, it's a awesome. great found footage, and it's also cool knowing the backstory that like people thought it was really happening because you yes. use real newscasters mm-hmm. and you have a real special on Halloween night. Like, yeah, what do you think's like, gonna happen? Wolf Blitzer was like, you know, like yeah. just then there's a haunting. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is an actual ghost. <laughs> Satan uh, is alive. <laughs> yeah. And it's based on like the haunted house is based on, I can't remember the name, but the same haunted house that like the conjuring two is based yeah, on Yeah, that British family. Like the, it's a, one of the most famous the like hauntings. Yeah. With pipes. <laughs> um, and it's got hidden ghosts, which is a thing that like my yeah, plane to took for haunting them a house. And <laughs> yeah, so there's all kinds of, that's a really great movie. I love it. Yeah. Ghost watch is great. So that's on Tubi, which is crazy. Anybody can watch ghost watch for free. Yeah. That's a mind boggling thing as a horror person. We ordered the BBC special DVD yeah. <laughs> like normal people. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's one of those things that it's like, if you've never seen it, you, this is such a good opportunity. Yeah. I'd say ghost watch and soul survivor. Yeah. Those are two movies Probably that the are hardest to find. exceptionally difficult to see. So that's really cool to be able to check them and out. And really the shout too. Sure. Yeah. Cause it, it wasn't streaming on anything else so uh so recap lobster after hours oh you didn't write yours in oh wait you did, did. Ray two lobster. apollo 10 and a half another round hell or high water some kind of heaven brain damage soul survivor great silence the shout Haxon, stand by me ghost watch so if you got any one of those gazillion streamers yeah add them to your watch and list don't don't tweet us being like what about paramount plus <laughs> what about this what, what about, about disney <laughs> We can't There's do nothing all the streamers, on people. <laughs> we can't do everything, but we gave you a good a good cross section, I yeah. think. We did it. Good for us. We did it, buddy. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. But don't forget, you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at Splice Podcast. And our Instagram handle is back. Well, it wasn't really the handle. It's Splice Together Podcast. But our name now says Splice Together and not the pennant minute podcast <laughs> we got you good though i had right? to wait like three weeks to change it back <laughs> yeah. um and let us know what you watch this month <laughs> on our from our monthly roundup or your roundup yeah does everyone have a roundup <laughs> probably not a normal thing most people roundup <laughs> just start yelling yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you soon on another episode of nice together oh yeah wait, hold on. <laughs> right, you ready yeah do it again uh, we'll see you soon on another episode of Splice Together. Mommy's with the next. Yeah. <laughs>